Is this good? No, but I have watched it twice. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> and I don't know why. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined, as always, by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hey! 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 I should do finger guns when hey. I do Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Is there anything that's making you guys mad recently? <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! Oh, I'm going to start out with a rant, huh? You, you got a you thing, right? You I got, do. You got a beef. I do. I, I'm going to have to describe the situation mm-hmm. that happens in traffic. And some of our our worldwide listeners may not understand everything. I'm not sure. Maybe this happens in your country, too. <laughs> However, um, we're far too courteous. Well, at least here in fucking Tennessee, we we're are. We're far too courteous <laughs> in, in, uh, in these days. I, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. There are times when you are in traffic and you are driving down a two-lane road and there is traffic coming from the other side and one car wants to turn left over your two lanes that you're driving. Mm. Sometimes you'll be at a traffic light mm. when this happens mm. and it's a perfect time if there's room to let that person go. But most of the time, unfortunately, there's not. And I'm sorry, if you want to turn left over two fucking lanes of traffic, you fucked up. You <laughs> fucked up. You should have you should have turned somewhere else. And that's the only thing that I can tell you right now. You should have turned somewhere else or you should you should find a way to turn around so that you can turn right exactly. and not fuck everybody else's uh day up. But the problem is people feel they feel like they have to let that person because oh how are they ever going to turn in in there if i don't let them go Mm. and so there is a problem with this we're in two lanes of traffic one person can say yes you can go but that means you have to have implied consent from the other lane Mm -hmm. that may not even know what's going on especially if you're on the inside lane right yeah if you are on the lane that's that can't see the other car trying to turn Mm -hmm. you you don't know a lot of times uh this happened to me uh sunday i was driving down a such a road and uh there was somebody who came down and wanted to turn left into this one spot and i was like you should have turned at the traffic light where you can go down this road and then turn into the the big shopping center Mm. not here where I think that was mainly for people to get out and turn right onto the road, uh, not for people to come in and turn left or whatever. So sat there and then we we're at a traffic light and this car's coming and they wants to turn left and the car, two cars in front of me wants to let this car turn. I'm like, okay. And there's the other side and these cars are like just moving. And it's like finally one. Oh, okay. I see you want, you want that guy to turn. And he slows down. The car who wants to turn left then just freezes, just doesn't know what to do. Jesus. Decides not to turn, which in turn makes 
both of the cars start the other cars that are trying to let that person go move forward slightly mm. now there's an entire clusterfuck going on <laughs> because the car turns eventually goes okay i see that you're letting me go i'll turn left now now some other asshole comes up behind the other guy turning left and he's like i want to turn left too and uh, just takes that opportunity to go uh, An- uh, this is why i have a rule <laughs> i i do not let you turn no. i don't let you no. ever no you're you have the same rule i have i want to add some addendums to this rule <laughs> yeah. he's done i do not let you go because i have 20 other cars behind me that are no more important than you are mm. i'm sorry if you have to turn left i'm sorry that you fucked up and you didn't get to the right spot but you need to find a different way to do this because this is too much traffic for you to turn left over two lanes and everything so uh, I have a rule. I don't let you go, and it's not me being an asshole. <laughs> I'm just saying that it causes more problems than it causes more problems than you just being courteous and everything. I understand that the whole idea is look at how what a nice person I am, <laughs> but you aren't really that nice. I mean, you're being nice to one person, and you're screwing twenty other people behind you, and you're causing a problem in traffic. Yes. Now I have a lot of four way stops in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and this shows up at a four way stop like a motherfucker. Mm. The too courteous. Right? Do you know you know how a four-way stop works, right? Yeah. Whoever gets there and stops fully first yes. has the right of way. Right. Only in the rarest of times when you are equally identically stopped at the same exact time does anyone ever need to wave anyone else. Mm-hmm. But in my neighborhood, consistently I will arrive at the four-way stop second. And this motherfucker is over here waving me to go. Yeah. And I'm out of spite going, no, you have the right of way. If you fucking go, traffic flows better. Have you noticed, by the way, and this, I've seen this too. I've seen this a lot uh, at four-way stops. So especially around the like Nashville West area where I'll be driving from like Best Buy to PetSmart to Publix and all these other places. There's a four-way stop that's in the middle of all that. Oh, that's a fucking cluster. Oh, it's terrible. And it's a four-way stop that where there's potentially, what, 12... There's more, there's 12 cars that could possibly be there at Mm -hmm. any one time Mm -hmm. because there's a right turn, a center and a left lane on all of them. So like, yeah, I'll, 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 sometimes I'll go up to a stop sign. I know for a fact, I wasn't the one that got there first and that, and that person at the other end would be like, like waving me angrily. Like, yeah. And you're like, look, even if I was first and I just kind of. I just kind of like didn't realize it or whatever. It doesn't require that kind of bullshit. It's like, mm-hmm. accept my kindness. You're right, right, right. <laughs> accept my kindness. Exactly. And, uh, and, uh, then, but I, one thing I've noticed is, is if you try something, if you try to be aggressive, people are assholes. People will try to do stuff to prevent you from doing that. But if you're trying to be nice, people go out of their way to try to outkind you. Yes. And so, like, there's, there's, <laughs> we get into these little gridlock type of things that happen and uh it's uh god it's uh yeah it's very annoying <laughs> out kind you <laughs> i agree i was gonna rant about traffic but that was good enough i don't think we need to go on to that anymore you're gonna rant about chicken sandwiches i'm what mm, oh the 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 way that was all trending on twitter yesterday yeah, yeah that's fuck nice. me see look I, I i go to twitter to see every once in a while there's that trending story that's very important to to know stuff about but that thing yesterday where everybody was arguing about whether Popeyes or Chick-fil-A or KFC or mm. fucking Boston Market somehow got in there. Oh, really? Uh, and then Wendy's joined today. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm sorry, but I 
this is a yet another rant, right? <laughs> Go for it, man. Um, I'm tired of people thinking that there's only one way about anything. Yeah. And they ha- they want to argue so vehemently about it that they're willing to just like, just, I don't know. They're just willing to antagonize a ton of people over it because they have this, this firm rule in place that, you know, oh, well, that Popeye's chicken sandwich is so good that you can't possibly uh, objectively say that the Chick-fil-A one is better <laughs> and and so forth. There was a thing the other day talking about how boneless wings weren't wings, that they're nuggets. And I bet Barrett has some uh, some thoughts on this. That I mean, that's that's true, but, but it's not worth fighting about. It's not worth fighting about. <laughs> and, and, and I don't care what you call them. Yeah. I'm going to fucking order those yeah, things. Yeah, man. Yeah. I well, go, and all those chicken sandwich brands did was sit back and cackle and benefit from all the mentions and impressions oh, and whatnot. Oh, because you're getting free advertising. And right? I had, last week, I was about to rant about the fucking lunch table memes where it's somebody will be like, all right, which table are you sitting at? And oh, they'll yeah. lump things together. In a completely haphazard way. So one of the early ones had Michael Sarah at a table by himself. And then, and then, and it, his name began to trend just because that particular lunch meme had multiple people at every table, but Michael Sarah off by himself. <laughs> I've seen it for basketball. I've seen it for fucking pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking tired. All you're doing is saying, what do you like? Yeah. But you put it in this fucking picture and people go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. It makes me so angry. <laughs> the, the 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 generally the the meme uh the meme gif stuff that's happening on twitter is out of control because nobody seems to know i mean i think even deadspin was a question about this the uh like there's only 10 gifs that people use anymore it seems like <laughs> nobody's nobody seems to get in there and like find something new to represent and you'll go through a story sometimes and you'll see like five or six of the same one all mm. in a row and everything. Every time someone is trending that might have died but didn't, they do the Denzel Washington uh, oh, hand yeah, to the yeah, heart yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, Every time. Which is from, do you know what that's from? I don't. I think I looked that up one time and completely forgot. Training it could day? be. No, no, because he doesn't have the goatee. It's, it's either Man on Fire, The Equalizer, The... Uh, marathon man, Universal right. Soldier. <laughs> I, don't <know>. I don't care. <clears throat> it's an overused gift for yes, sure. It is. Yes, it is. And I try. I try sometimes. Now, I don't always you what, make my own gifts up, but I try. Whenever I Google for gifts, I, dry, I dive deep into the results mm-hmm. so I can try and find something new. That one that I, uh, I, I tweeted the other day of John Cusack and High Fidelity yeah. was my favorite gift of all time. Because <laughs> I, I seriously sat there, watched it, over and over and over again because he does and i didn't realize i I recognize that part in high fidelity but i didn't realize how much of it was silent Mm -hmm. and he's just literally making expressions shame resignation defiance and then like all these emotions and then midway through he looks at the camera and just (laughs) and then goes back to his like whole internal struggle and it's very cusacky and it's joan and john both do this where they'll look at the camera and just like convey ah it looks like John Q. John Q. The one that I didn't come up. With. That's that's one Denzel I have not seen is John Q. I don't think it's I've seen worth that. it for Denzel, but it's very standard because it's like they don't have insurance mm-hmm. and the hospital is threatening to not treat his son, so he ah. basically takes everyone there hostage. Uh, yeah. Until they're gonna. It's basically the negotiator. 
but with a sick kid in the hospital <laughs> instead of like a cop accused of embezzling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like inside, man. <laughs> but Clive Owen is playing Denzel Washington. It's like having, it's like taking an ocean cruise only there's no boat and you don't actually go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any, uh, uh, like another rant, like an actual rant? Um, yeah, I wanted to rant a little bit about these. Uh, we've talked before about these three second teasers that run before trailers now. Yeah. Where they've got to tease the trailer and how annoying this is. And we have guessed a few reasons why. And there's a dude, I, I'm repeating a dude on the internet. Claimed to be a guy that cuts trailers for a living, did a little AMA on Reddit, and said the reason for that is, when they do that, there's a 300% increase in watch-through. I don't know how they're getting that number, but he basically says when the trailers don't have that, 75% of the viewers drop off when it just opens with a logo. And my my rant is at us. Are we the viewers. We, we tolerated this. Those of you who clicked away... Before this three-second thing started happening, you're the problem. Let me ask you a question about that. You, as a user, have gone to that video on YouTube to watch that trailer, right? Like, you've intentionally either clicked on it from a recommend or searched for it. Yes. And you've gone to that trailer. Oh, yes. Why would you click off of it if you don't have that three-second bumper? Because I think there was that brief period when videos auto-played on Twitter for a while. And that's uh. when I think they cooked this shit up because it would start auto playing and it would show a movie studio logo and people would click away. If it auto played and showed you fucking the rock falling off a building going, arg, then you would go, <laughs> oh, I got to see that. And you would watch the rest of the trailer. Yeah. And a lot of the times these are ads too. the, the trailers are ads. So you, wanna... but they do this for regular uh, trailers too, right? They do. But they just what they do is they upload the trailer with the three second preview. Then they tell YouTube also make this an ad and run it in front of other people's videos. I see. So I it's see. so it's uh, yeah. So the the whole idea and this is I mean this is uh, sort of harkens back to the YouTube creator playbook and everything uh, that you need to draw people's attention within the first ten to fifteen seconds, mm. uh, or else people click off. And so the same thing goes for trailers because the green band of trailer. Unless it says rated R for hardcore nudity, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, then you know people are 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 just going to be like, ah, eh, movie trailer, screw that, and and leave it. So yeah, you have to do it's it's like how a movie will play the middle of it sometimes in the beginning, so that because all the boring conversation shit is really what starts the movie, so they have to go to do this thing where it's like you know. You know, I thought everything was great three weeks ago. <laughs> How did I get here? Yeah, that bullshit. <laughs> but your rant is about us. My, no, but yeah, but it's our fault. It's the viewer's fault that for, have for that just what you said, right? Hey, yeah. you know, when you point that way to them, there's <laughs> another finger pointing back at you. <laughs> and when you make <laughs> it's four more, right? <laughs> you make an ass out of you. Yeah. An option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I just wanted to rant about the, it really drives me crazy, and it's not going to stop anytime soon because they have the data, and the data says that we're all a bunch of mindless blobs from the movie WALL-E, and mm. just, we we can be pushed around by technology. I really do hate that three-second bumper, though. I really, I really hate it. It's really, I mean, what it says to me, I don't know who it appeals to. I'm sure it obviously does something, yeah. but what it says to me is, you are stupid. <laughs> That's what I think every time I see that. Yeah. You you are dumb. Yeah, and I mean, when it applies to ads, I understand it when it applies to ads. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. 
But what I'm talking about is why they do it. I guess they just don't so want to recut to make, it. They need to make two versions of it at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just lop off that, that three seconds, basically. If you go intentionally to that, that thing, I want to see the trailer. Like, when we do our fall movie preview, mm-hmm. probably next week, we're going to watch a lot of trailers. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to... You say three seconds, but I think some of them are a little bit longer. Yeah, it seems like three longer. to five, six, something yeah. like that. And it adds up over time. Yeah, it does. I don't need it to does. waste my time with yeah. that. I'm going to just watch the whole thing. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Did you know, Jeremy? I didn't. That the 2019 Video Music Awards were the day that this episode comes out. Monday. I did not. That's only like six, seven days away. Six days away. Six days away. Chris watches the MTV station a lot. Watch MTV Live almost every morning, and they are ads are constant, but I because I tune them out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when the, I never know when it's supposed to play. And I'm just like, oh, it must be right around the corner. I know. So what is the point of all that advertising? Because people are going to tune it out, right? Mm. My point is, is that even if you're not plugged in and watching the, the station and stuff like that, and, and, you know, people do and don't consume MTV anymore in different avenues and stuff like that. But like, it used to be, and this is not a nostalgic rant. I'll, I'll qualify that. It used to be that MTV was larger than the channel itself it was in the public consciousness Ooh. like you you knew just like the grammys or the oscars or stuff like that you knew when the vmas were right and if you if you had a passing interest in music videos or even just pop culture writ large because it, it was billed on performances it's what the grammys have moved to now rather than the awards is moving to the performances the vmas have always been about performances of that year the culturally relevant things and some mashups meaning that you know, Run DMC is going to play with uh, with Aerosmith or something like that. You know, that kind of thing. Taylor Swift is going to play with Katy Perry. You know, you know what I mean? Um, I do. It had- <laughs> I'm going to te- TiVo that shit. <laughs> uh, it is now sunk into cultural irrelevance, even for somebody like me, who is as deeply plugged into uh, this sort of uh, subject as possible. Uh, I've watched it every year since I think 1994, mm. and it has become unwatchable now. The VMAs or the channel as a whole? The VMAs. The channel itself is fine. Like I, I, I enjoy the music videos. I have questions. Yeah. Did did the internet and the age of YouTube kill MTV's relevance? No. Hang on. Yeah. Or. Was MTV only really ever relevant for us, our generation, Gen X and the one that came behind us? And that's why the only shows they ever put out that are successful are real world ripoffs, which we all gravitate, I gravitate towards, mm-hmm. or shit like, hey, let's do the hills again 12 years later. Yes. Or whatever that new show is called. It's not the hills. It's yeah, it's the hills revisited it's the mountains. Yeah, my point <laughs> is uh, my greater point is I think Gen X is largely to blame. My generation is largely to blame for all of this reboot, revisitation, nostalgia bullshit. That's a part of it. Sure, it's almost all coming from that era of the shit we grew up with. Yeah, the stuff now, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but that's because they're not going to reboot. 120 minutes unfortunately mm-hmm. they're not going to reboot the early yo mtv raps actually i think they did try to reboot. they rebooted uh, TLR. 
TRL? Yeah. They made a TLR. Total live request. It just didn't work. Too long. Red. Because the people who would watch TLR would be kids after school. They don't watch MTV anymore. The people who used to watch it after school are grown-ups. They have kids now. They have jobs now. MTV as a brand, though, is much larger than the channel itself. But I don't... But my point is it is shrunk. The channel itself, yes. Of course, in that medium, too. Because it's not... It's not streaming on anything else but its own service. You know, Spotify has made audio more attractive than actual music videos. YouTube has made it, you know, commercially or, or, or universally, you know, accessible. You don't have to go to MTV. You don't have to wait for the, the, the credits to show up. But Taylor up. Swift is not making videos like that she's making where she's spending millions of dollars on them for MTV. No. No. She's making them for maybe awards, but mostly for the ad revenue she's going to get on YouTube when she uploads it to YouTube. Correct. Correct. So so MTV, just like Rolling Stone, just like Spin, Stereo Gum, all those guys have to be evolving into much more of a facilitator rather than like the landing spot, rather than the hosting platform. And my point about the VMAs in particular is that that was really the last place where you could get everything kind of in a programmed, controlled environment. I'm doing air quotes, but like to where you could say like, this is a reasonable summation of the year in music mm. uh, from all the different genres, some little crossovers that are fun, uh, but basically the performances are there. You can say like, oh man, I forgot that that came out this year. And oh yeah, wow, that's cool. Uh, you know, The performances are good. Now there's really nothing like that. The Grammys certainly aren't that. The Grammys gravitated to more after David Wilde actually got involved with producing the show. They got more to the VMA side of things. And really, you don't have this huge coalition of groups and acts and bands at anything but like iHeart uh, Radio Festival, which gets a ridiculous amount of bands, but it's overkill. It's too much. It's over like three days. So yeah, I want, I want a two and a half hour chunk to say... Here was the year in music and music videos. And, <clears throat> and you don't think it's going to be that this year, or you just think that people have stopped caring and, and that means something? I, d I don't think it's going to be that this year because it hasn't been for the last five years at least. But Taylor's coming back. Taylor's coming back, and I will, I, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'll watch it every year. Uh, and Missy Elliott's going to have a performance because she's getting the video of Vanguard. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be anything like what conceptually I think an award show should be in that vein, which is... Very much like the Oscars. Here's the year in movies. Mm. You know, obviously you're not going to have performances besides the best song and stuff like that. But you know, here is what took place over the last twelve months, and uh, certainly not that anymore. Not not uh, related really to your VMA thing, but to the conversation you guys were having about why MTV went from videos to mostly reality shows and everything. I, I really think that ultimately they made that decision because the reality shows were doing so much better than music videos not that music videos were doing bad on their own mm. and i don't think it was because oh well if we play this we can't be profitable or anything it's just that they found out that they were so much more profitable when they did that and plus remember what it was like when you'd watch videos in the 80s and 90s there would be usually a three song block and sometimes it would be stuff you didn't you weren't on you weren't with and if you if you got a song you didn't like and then maybe another song you didn't like, then you're turning it off. Mm. Whereas an hour long of, you know, uh, you know, the Jersey Shore or whatever, uh, those are some characters that a a solid audience 
likes and enjoys for an entire hour, doesn't turn away from the TV. And there's no doubt that that's probably where that, where that came from. Then stop playing music videos so much mm. because, and the, you know, TRL, they did bring, bring it back, but it was like the even more bastardized version of it. <laughs> it's mm. terrible. <laughs> Remember the, the one in the, with Carson Daly and everything, I think they would occasionally play videos beginning to end, mm-hmm. even though they would cut them off a lot of times, which is really annoying. Mm-hmm. But the bastardized version of it cut every music video, I think, that, that would play. Like, you play just a snippet of it, and it's like, ha ha, that's a great song, isn't it? Let's talk about some other bullshit. You know, because they, I think they realized that not everybody likes that song. Mm. Only only a certain group of people. It's like the Why Your Team Sucks and Deadspin, mm-hmm. right? uh you know there you know there's a few people who like that but not everybody does so let's play a snippet but the people who are watching know oh i don't have to watch this whole thing because it'll be done and they'll be talking about stuff that is near near and dear to me Mm -hmm. and uh it's uh it sucks because i i like hearing all the songs there are there are songs that i will listen to every morning that i hate (laughs) and but but it's a good background thing while i'm trying to get woke up in the morning and everything so So I could sit next to Carson Daly and Fred Durst and argue <laughs> over who she to first. <laughs> All right, what are we doing now? Recom- doing some reg- recommends and warns? What do you got? Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Can I go first on the recommends? Go for it. Because I want to see if you guys have seen this. Have you watched The Righteous Gemstones yet? I have the not. The first episode? No, I was going to wait and see what people said. Okay, well, I'm about to say something. Considering that I like uh, Eastbound and Down mm-hmm. and uh, and Vice, Vice Principles and all that, I'll probably end up watching it. Yeah. So I watched two HBO pilots slash first episodes this week. Mm-hmm. Succession and The Righteous Gemstones. Mm-hmm. Basically the same premise. Powerful family, lots of money family squabbles dynamics between the older the patriarch and the kids right now succession isn't brand new no it just, just started are, its second season okay okay i just want to make sure the listeners knew that these weren't both brand new shows righteous gemstones just premiered just happened last week as of this uh posting have you guys seen any of succession i have not no. okay i heard somebody else talking about this show over the great. weekend <laughs> It's interesting. I heard the same thing. And, it, you know, if you get a second season on HBO, typically you're doing pretty good. Yeah. It's got good people in it. Tip, you know, Brian Cox is really good. Yep. You got uh, Kieran Culkin in there. You got a bunch of people that I don't know about, but dude it from, seemed uh, like it was. Dude from Pride and Prejudice is in this. The Kira ends up with in that movie. Only he doesn't have old timey clothes on. I haven't gotten to that. I swear to God, he's in that show. Yeah. 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 I don't know if he was in the, the pilot. He may be just in season two. The then. I don't know. Uh, so I'll start with, uh, succession. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because, okay. Same, by the way, both of these, another similarity is that they're all assholes. Everybody's an asshole in this one. One is the leader of a, like a big televangelist type of empire. And the other is the, uh, the Brian Cox character in succession is the leader of a, a media conglomerate very much like, you know, Turner or Fox or mm-hmm, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and in succession, everybody's an asshole and like an unrepentant. I mean, eventually they may become repentant, but like 
I couldn't root for anybody in that show. Yeah. Like even like Kieran Culkin is like the the kind of like casual like freewheeling libertine type of type of cat that's like, well, I'm rich and everything, but like I don't need all this shit. He's an asshole too. Oh. The whole the whole family's assholes. Oh. And the lead asshole is such an asshole that I can't I can't penetrate that. <laughs> so, so I didn't go any further in Succession, even though there's a whole thing out there. I know it's got a rabid fan base. I know that there's a lot of people that like it. Unless somebody gets on there and tells me that, oh, yeah, no, this character really turns a corner and everything. From what I understand from reading, I don't think they do. So I don't feel like I'm going to uh, continue on that road. Uh, the guy's name is Matthew McFadden. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. Righteous Gemstones, on the other hand, is Danny McBride and Jody Hill. Mm-hmm. Danny McBride wrote and directed the first episode. And it's John Goodman. It's Adam Devine. It's Devine, right? I think so. And, uh, and, and Danny McBride and a whole bunch of other people that you recognize. And it's hilarious. Hmm. Oh, oh, Dermot, Derlin McDermott. Derlin Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Yes, he's a rival pastor. Hey, there you go. This show is right up your alley, by the yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. Because Eastbound, did you like Eastbound and Down? Yes. But it, with an asterisk. What's the asterisk? Uh, I didn't like it that much. The, the cringe? I liked it more when it was about him trying to get back in baseball mm-hmm. and when they went down to mexico for an entire season i mm, lost interest yeah hard. yeah yeah they, they it, definitely ran out of uh material on that whole thing this is that kind of pineapple express type of thing where it's like you know madcap and and people are are hard to root for and everything like seth rogan and pineapple express is you know your protagonist but then he's when he gets back together with uh chica she's like oh i want to get married oh yeah. i, made, I a made a mistake, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of thing where it's funny enough where i can root for these guys i cannot wait to see more of this stuff okay. john goodman is fucking awesome it got this. really good ratings yes. um so uh we'll have to see so who- it looks like uh walton goggins is going to be in this show mm-hmm. um and it looks like uh, skylar gazondo the guy you brought up from vacation ah. is in this as wow. well um these guys like working with the same people yeah huge recommend for righteous gemstones cautious wreck a warn for succession all right okay mm-hmm. all right, all good, right. Good, call. Okay. good call okay good call uh i'm gonna recommend the hate you give oh i keep passing this on the dial and uh, i'm curious but i haven't taken the plunge if you are a blind spotting fan this is a great compliment to that movie you just sold me however blind you know there's no like you know awesome rap thing that happens in this but uh but it's this it's got this it's sort of the same uh topic and it's um it's this it's this girl who lives in a poor neighborhood but her family's worked hard enough to uh have her go to private school and she talks about at the very beginning of it how she has to act one way in one neighborhood and she has to act another way at the private school which is mostly white Mm. um and so then there's a point where she goes to a party and uh she meets some guy that she's known since childhood and everything uh it's a guy who has has suddenly started uh dealing drugs because he's got a lot of different things going on in his life uh but their childhood friends they've known each other forever they get into a car 
uh, he pulls off to the side and he says something to the, back, to the effect that I've always liked you. And, you know, like, you know, he tries to kiss her and she's like, no, no, no. And he's like, OK, well, you know, we have plenty of time, blah, blah, blah. He gets uh, he, he, he gets back onto the road and then they see the blue and red lights flashing in the back. And uh, and because of some, you know, awful bullshit type of stuff, that guy, the guy, that guy she's talking to ends up getting shot. Hmm uh because of he he reaches into his car while he's while he's supposed to be like with his hands up against mm. his car he reaches down in his car to get a hairbrush mm. as soon as he gets the hairbrush he gets shot um and so the uh the the movie is essentially about her struggle uh trying to keep uh trying to keep sort of anonymous in this whole thing like the cops know that she was there and the detective, there's detectives who are who are who are you know uh, investigating the whole incident and everything. They know she's there, but she's not being named on the on the on the news yet or anything like that. So she's still trying to have to like play this these roles when she's at home and when she's at the private school. And much like uh, the guy in Blind Spotting has she has white friends who like to act black mm. and there's a one one her best friend who's played by sabrina carpenter who you may know oh, yeah. across she uh, was in uh, girl meets world and is now a big pop star yeah she's one of she they're on the same basketball team and a lot of the things that she used to just kind of like uh accept as part of her start becoming a little bit more like you know the when she starts acting black it's like wait a minute then now i now i see this in a completely different light Ooh. because um because you don't actually understand anything about how it's like to be black and mm -hmm. everything and uh there's a, a a moment where the whole school like basically i don't know who leads the charge but the whole school essentially is like hey let's like cut class and like uh and uh, protest about that black guy that got shot and everything and nobody knows this dude nobody knows that she knows this dude uh. and they're all going out like hey we just thought it would be a good good way to cut class and everything and she walks the main character walks out and she sees like everybody just like cutting up having fun they had the little like you know the the pictures of the dude and everything mm. making it look like this is all about some big protest and she just starts breaking down mm. and uh and starts realizing that you know a lot of the, a lot of the stuff isn't cool uh i don't want to go too much farther into it because you, know, you do want to you know you do want to like get into this movie on your own and everything but this movie is great uh it is another movie that came and went in 2018 i'm not sure how much how big of a release it had mm. i remember it coming out um i actually bought it but i saw it on hbo hmm. um and uh and it's a it is an, an unbelievable compliment to blind spot hmm. like it's got a lot of the same themes a lot of the same things but it's told with a different kind of perspective that maybe you didn't if you didn't get something in blind spotting you'll get it here man i'm all over this i've seen blind spotting about five times now mm -hmm. and I, my wife is watching it tonight oh yeah nice She's got a friend that she likes to watch movies with and i have finally pushed this to the top of her stack <laughs> nice uh, because she was i came in the room and she's like i was reading this book blah 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 blah, blah and she goes on to talk about how white people the book she's reading is about how white people don't 
really understand what the black experience is like. Mm-hmm. And I like cut her off. I was like, you need to watch Blind Spotting. That's what the whole movie is about. Um, but yeah, this is The Hate You Give. Um, the star of this is a, is a girl named Amandala Stenberg. Uh, she's fantastic in it. Regina Hall is in this. Really? Great. She's had a renaissance recently. No kidding, She's man. been in a lot of stuff. Um, Anthony Mackie plays a drug lord in this, and uh, Issa Rae is in this. Also, holy shit, that's a good cast. Also, Russell Hornsby, uh, who plays her dad, and there's a a whole thing at the very beginning. This movie will wrap you up right off at right at the beginning of it because it's it's their father telling all three of the kids that live with them, "This is what you do if you if I get pulled over." by a cop and this is what you three need to do when we when this happens and uh and it'll wrap you up immediately and you'll just be like oh god and it just it just sucks you in for the rest of it uh the hate you give nice 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 Mm -hmm. Nice. yeah i'm gonna hit you with a solid record warn all right all right i have watched this movie twice now over the last year and a half for reasons (laughs) it's a Mm. 2012 movie called disconnect okay and it stars jason bateman um frank grillo is in it hope davis plays jason bateman's wife hmm. um <clears throat> a couple other faces that you'll recognize in this movie and i swear this is the most paul haggis movie that paul haggis never made <laughs> I, it feels like somebody saw crash and said i want to make a similar vin- a similar vignette style movie where all the characters somewhat intersect only instead of race, this will be about technology. Mm-hmm. And that's the basic premise, all right? So Jason Bateman's kid, lonely nerd at school. He is talking to this girl, Jessica, on on, on Face Smash or whatever they call it in this movie. <laughs> um, and they're talking about how both their parents are shitty and yada, yada, yada. Well, what he doesn't know is Jessica is a fake profile run by two other kids in this guy's school. And it's just kind of a lark. And at one point, they send him, like, a photo they steal off the internet of a girl's bare midriff and kind of pulling her underwear down. <clears throat> they go back to playing video games. This is the central story. There are about six stories in this movie, and they all <laughs> cross up. Um, so then the next day, they they send him a thing, and they're like, well, maybe, I guess you didn't like that picture that I sent you. Maybe you don't feel the same way about me. And after a little bravery, he gets up and goes to his bathroom takes a picture of himself naked he writes in lipstick on his inner thighs love slave oh Uh. sends it back they of course because they're movie bullies send it to the entire school and the kid basically tries to hang himself oh shit now the kid that tries to hang himself jason bateman's kid Mm. jason bateman is torn up about it the bully kids their dad is frank grillo and he's a digital forensic psychologist. He used to be <laughs> he used to be a, a computer FBI cop, and now he helps people who've been victimized online. And he his clients are Paula Patton and Alexander Skarsgård, who had all their money wow. stolen because this is great. It's neither one of their faults. They're both dicks. Alexander Skarsgård was secretly going to gambling websites and clicked a link he shouldn't have. <laughs> And she, Paula Patton, was talking to some guy on social media, and they were flirty, and she clicked a link she shouldn't have, and the dude stole $9,000 or whatever. So the entire movie, they're trying to track this guy down, and Frank Grillo was their specialist helper guy. 
yada, yada. There's a whole other story about a newswoman who wants to push up the ladder, and she's got an idea to do a story about teenagers who sell sex online. Mm. Somehow meets one of them. I honestly don't remember. Um, and she promises, I'm going to interview for you. The story will blur out your face. We'll change your voice. No one's ever going to know it's you. What do you think? He's like, all right, okay, as long as nobody ever knows. Do, do the story. CNN loves it. You're getting called up to CNN and to big leagues now. You're a real reporter now. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And Jason Bateman is her lawyer. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much thought was put into the intertwining of these stories. Now, Jason Bateman is eventually going to find out that it was Frank Grillo's kid that bullied his son into a suicide attempt. He's going to go over there. And he is going to hit that kid in the face. Mm. Uh, oh, the kid, not Frank Grillo. Well, it, on accident. <laughs> he, he's, he and Frank Grillo are fighting on the lawn, and the kid comes up, and he turns. And I think there's plenty of time for him to know, but he still hits the kid. Um, and and it's this weird think piece. Like almost what I want to do now is watch Traffic, because I bet you it's just as silly is this? as this movie played to me. Because this is just like melodramatic. There's all these long takes of like Jason Bateman, like, Furring his brow, looking at his son's iPad, and it's just traffic or crash. Oh, did I say traffic? Yeah, crash. Well, I mean, tra okay. traffic's not that far off. Well, yeah, either. I mean, it's, that's why yeah. it, it seemed it seemed like it, it could be. <laughs> You're right, though. Yeah. I didn't crash. Mean crash. Crash, crash, but with technology instead of racism. Is this good? No, but I have watched it twice. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> and I don't know why. Like, um, it looks like uh, the the newswoman is uh, Andrea Riseborough. It is. Yeah, in, that is, uh, who it is. Who's in Oblivion and uh, Birdman. Oh, um, is she the? Are you still a good team, Jack, or whatever? She's yeah, the redhead. She's the she's the the fake wife of Tom oh, Cruise in Oblivion. I didn't remember that being her. She hit uh, Michael Keaton's love interest in Birdman. She's the uh, she's the one who says she's pregnant at right. the beginning. Okay. okay. Uh, also, uh, this will be relevant to the movie ad later. Casey Lemons is in this movie as oh, well. Wow. Uh, so I don't know what I don't know how much of a how much of a role she has in it, but she's in it. So who's work. Casey Levins? Lemons? Lemons. Uh, she plays someone named Roberta Washington. She is an FBI agent. FBI agent. <laughs> Who's who's Jason Bateman's sister? Well, because they want to. They want to. <laughs> Jason Bateman actually has a cool scene when he realizes the reporter's lying, uh -huh. and he's her lawyer, and he basically says, "Yeah, you're going to need a new lawyer." And he walks out. Oh. Um, By the way, I saw Share. Um, oh yeah, What'd from last week and everything. Um, that movie's frustrating to me. Yeah, like I mean, no, I I, I think it's good in, in you know like I liked it, but it's a frustrating movie because. I know why they I know why they did that like they don't want they didn't want to have a, a full on like here's what happened. Yeah. They wanted to have the character always just sort of be in dark in the dark about it. But it's interesting that you watch this and then and then and share and they both kind of have some similar yeah. uh type of things even though you know share is more is a more serious topic but um it, the the idea of being in school and having your embarrassments uh you know uh sent throughout the entire school and everything is uh something i'm glad we never had to deal with mm -hmm. that's just an entirely different thing like remember i mean you sit there and think about the stuff you did in in high school like aren't you glad that isn't like like being sent everywhere no. yeah you see it all in movies now and you see it actually really in real life i see this all the time like any sort of confrontation any sort of thing that's unusual everybody whips out their phone 
And so somebody's going to have something of uh, aberrant behavior. And imagine that at school when you know the people and you can send other people that know that person, all that shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. it's uh, Man, there was this kid in my middle school. Mm-hmm. His name was Ezra. Mm-hmm. He was mean mm-hmm. and skinny. And I would pay good money to be able to watch a YouTube video of him beating the shit out of that kid in the gymnasium that one day. Because it was awesome. That kid was twice as tall as Ezra, and he picked on him too long, and then Ezra snapped. It was like <laughs> fucking Tasmanian devil. Nice. He beat the shit out of him? Oh, yeah. And nice. see, you're right. If, this, if that happened today, it would be on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it would be I also, all kinds of things. I also watched this Lifetime movie because the movie I was watching was making annoying noises, and my wife came in and said, can you change the channel? I wasn't paying attention. I was waiting for another movie to come on, and it was just the end of some screechy sci-fi thing. <laughs> so I flipped over to Lifetime, and it was this movie about a girl who suddenly gets to $100,000 100, Instagram followers. But it's not Instagram. It's in- Instapixie. and she immediately has a violent stalker it's like the next day she's got a violent stalker and i had to go in an hour later i go in and and tell my wife off and i was like i forgot all about changing the channel back and now i'm wrapped up in this goddamn instagram movie because this movie is so bad it's making the both of the guys who it could be look like it's him like the movie can't even give me one over the other so that i'll know it's actually the one you're it's like playing it so weak, I had to watch just to find out which one was the actual. Mm-hmm. It was the coffee shop guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the spoiler. She knew them all. Uh, what was uh, the name of the movie? Mother May I Sleep with a Barista? <laughs> my, mm-hmm. my stalker, my daughter's stalker. Oh, of course, yeah. And they, they they would never have like some like awesome title. It would be like you know everything is about every every title is what the movie's about. <laughs> My daughter's stuck. Yeah, you know it's like you know if it's it's always I fucked that. my best friend. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So so the movie disconnect disconnect is a wreck of warn wreck of warn. There's something there. I've watched it twice. It's not utter shit, but it's not great. <laughs> That's got a good cast. You buried the lead about Paula Patton and uh, Alexander Skarsgård. I did, sort of, yeah. I was trying to trick Well, it, it sounds in. like the movie almost buried the lead. Yeah, almost. yeah. It doesn't really, like Crash, doesn't really have any more conclusions at the end than it had in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Probably not a good idea to bully people with online nude pictures. Yeah, yeah. I think Probably not a good idea to beat up children. Mm-hmm. They could have called this movie really bad decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, if it was on Lifetime. Yeah, that would be a Lifetime. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's time to talk about Mubi. Woohoo! Mubi. There are a lot of great things on Mubi right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I um, was immediately drawn to a little 30-minute documentary called Dutch Angle chaz garretson and apocalypse now fascinated by this and it's a guy who was the photographer on the set of apocalypse now and took all these pictures and the the pictures themselves are in the netherlands like photo museum or something like that i don't know what it's the actual place is called uh apparently and i saw this but at the end of the movie only 15 percent of the photos he shot were in the movie Oh. So like it it sort of serves as a function like if you ever find yourself in the Netherlands yeah go to watch the go to the because these pictures are are amazing yeah these pictures are great uh and and a great compliment to like stuff like Hearts of Darkness and everything like mm. that the if you've ever seen that documentary about the filming of Apocalypse Now uh because he's got the this guy this Chaz Garretson guy has got some stories about each actor and he's 
basically his process was he was he was taking shots of things that didn't actually happen in the movie he staged a lot of his his thing so he had dennis hopper doing something and oh and he actually staged photographs he staged photographs oh, okay. so like, there's stuff in there you see the you see some of the photos and you're like okay well that didn't happen in the movie like yeah. there's a there's a scene of dennis hopper getting shot by somebody <laughs> and uh and uh but uh but uh he, he has some stories about coppola he said coppola came up to him and he said i had a dream about you last night where uh i was hanging by your camera straps 30 feet out of out of my apartment window <laughs> and then he left <laughs> <laughs> and uh and garretson said something like to the effect that i i just had the feeling that I, since I was sort of on probation, they gave him a 30 day period where like, if you screw up, uh, we'll get somebody else or whatever. He's like, he was just trying to get me on edge and everything. And it, sure enough, at the end of the 30 days, Coppola came up to him again and said, you know, I really don't like you, <laughs> but you take really good photographs <laughs> nice. and then left. <laughs> I think I would rather hear the opposite. Like, your photos are bad, but I really like you, kid. <laughs> yeah, right? But uh, it's funny because he goes through all these things. And he's talking about how Dennis Hopper really took a lot of direction well in the photographs that he took and everything. Mm. And he's like, he's like uh, the other gentleman did not. And he's talking about Marlon Brando. Oh, shit. <laughs> Does he have some shots of Brando? Yeah, there's some, the, they, he, he gives some story about when Brando make, gets, gets to the set and everything. And like, like all the different different things that he did during the uh during the shooting and everything i don't want to ruin everything yeah, it's yeah, a 30 yeah. minute documentary yeah, yeah. uh and uh but he talks about brando he talks about martin sheen he mm. talks about um a couple of others that were on there uh, uh robert duvall oh yeah um and uh and it just the just looking at the photographs is fascinating listen to him talk about the the things that he went through on that set is very interesting and like i said huge huge compliment to hearts of darkness mm. if you've ever seen that and if you're a big apocalypse now fan yeah. which 40 years old yeah it just uh, got a re-release right yeah it's got some new coppola final i mean there's probably like 15 cuts of this movie now um there's a lot yeah yeah um but uh drawn to that very and that 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 is a extremely uh high recommend that's on movie will be on movie when when this is uh, mm -hmm. uh released and everything uh, another one that I saw, uh, actually, I, I rewatched The Limey. The Limey. Oh, nice. Um, the Steven Soderbergh movie that really was at in the middle of the the sort of the height of Soderbergh. Yep. He had done Out of Sight. Limey came next, and then he was on. He's about to do Traffic and Aaron Brockovich and Oceans and all that. Yeah, it's a hell of a run. Uh, yeah. In the middle of that is The Limey, which is a movie that was sort of like. Uh, it, not very many people saw it no, either nobody talks about it yeah and uh and i was surprised a little bit to see on the imdb this had a 7.0 like what? i felt like it was a little bit higher than that um re-watching it i can i can see where some of that like maybe some negative could cut could creep into your thoughts but i i very much enjoyed the limey fuck yeah uh terrence stamp just Mm. completely steal i mean it's his movie but he completely just steals this movie mm -hmm. it's his to take and he he runs with it and he's got i think he's got some i think it's the the cockney rhyming slang and stuff like that where where he and it's funny he'll say some stuff and he expects other people to know <laughs> you know like he'll say something like uh yeah that guy was my china and and she's like china what do you mean 
China plate mate. <laughs> it's like in oceans. Yeah, and it's Bonnie like, Rubble. Trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in Bonnie. <laughs> and uh, Louise Guzman is great in this. If there was anybody who could steal the movie like from Terrence Stamp, it's Louise Guzman. Well, and so Peter, Peter Fonda's in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? Peter Fonda's in this. Yeah. Another good reason to revisit it you know, if you're thinking yeah. about him and his because he recently died, but he's good in this. Uh, I don't think it's like a standout performance, but no, it's uh, it's you know he's sort of uh, almost playing, he's 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 playing some callbacks to Easy Rider in this a little bit, but he's he's an evil guy in this. He's slimy. Yeah, he's a really really bad guy. <laughs> yeah. um, he's like oily and like just like the smile is pervasive. Yeah, like there's even a point where he like uh, Luis Guzman is talking to uh, Terrence Stamp and and uh stamp is talking about how uh like uh th- that when and, and melissa george plays uh terrence stamp's daughter in this. Mm. melissa he's he relates a story that like when melissa george walked in the room it, peter fonda would like would beam and everything and he's like say man i've talked to that guy for like uh years now and he never smiled at me you know <laughs> and it's basically it, you know that just more to that peter fonda fonda character he smiled because she's hot yeah yeah and she he's got some other girl in this that's smoking hot too mm. um but uh yeah the story is essentially uh his daughter has been killed he's found out about it he wants to he's pissed he's pissed and he wants to he's he's basically just on a revenge run and that's what's so kind of like liberating about watching this movie he's not really worried about getting caught yeah. or dying or anything like <laughs> rescuing that. anybody <laughs> yeah, yeah right right he's just he's just going in and he's like i want names i want to find the guy and i want to kill him and uh, there's that one great shot too where he goes into like a garage and the camera stays outside, and you just hear all the uh, pop, pop, yeah, yeah, pop, yeah. Pop, yeah. pop, pop, as he's going through there, killing all the fools. Yeah, because he comes in, he he he's wanting he's wanting the name Peter Fonda's name is Valentine, and uh, he wants he wants this name from this like warehouse or whatever. He goes in and immediately just like starts you know, like attacking the boss of the place, and then all of his heavies come around and they start beating him up, and then they're like basically just throw him out to the sidewalk and well you know don't ever come back here like mm-hmm. if you're going to trespass next time we we love that we'll love that man you see people high-fiving and crap and then he gets up from the sidewalk and just walks back in with his gun and you just like, bah, bah, bah. hey man hey man boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. uh the limey is uh yeah. is a fantastic movie and and you know like i said it's in the middle of that that Soderbergh run there where he had all these great movies his that editing style and i don't remember the name of his editor but there was there's a lot of that you know where somebody will be talking and sometimes it'll cut away while you know it'll cut to it'll cut to the it'll cut to the person talking but they're not talking anymore yeah and but there you can still hear the the dialogue and yeah. it'll come back and and then it'll, he's like talking. an eyes wide shut yeah of, yeah uh, eyes wide. it's like the out like of sight, out of sight. Out yeah. Of sight. That, yeah that that bar make love scene is all <laughs> shot like that yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's scenes where you know like he, he, you know though he'll cut in like shots of his daughter when she was way younger and like you know six years old and everything and uh He's got that interesting editing style going on. I don't think he stuck with that over the years, but that's a sort of a, a, a mm. highlight of the period that he was working mm. in and everything. That's interesting. Sarah Flack was the editor on that film. She also did Lost in Translation and a bunch of weird stuff. But not a, not much Soderbergh? Uh, no. Well, she did Full Frontal. 
So okay. she was around in that. So, that so area. you can probably just say that Soderbergh wanted it, wants this this certain way, and he tells the editor to do it that way, mm. and that's how it comes out and everything. But uh, really interestingly, you know, shot and edited in that way. Yeah. Um, I would say that movie alone is worth the price of a month of movie. Dude, all right. If if you've waited until now to sign up for movie, you've got the the movie that chris was talking about the apocalypse now documentary with the photographs you've got the limey you've got a movie called eve's bayou which is great too yes i saw that for the first time uh with the service really uh yeah i remember i was at i was at a theater that played this mm. and i didn't i never got to see it uh this is this is one of the best samuel l jackson performances that you have never seen yeah yeah he's amazing in this uh it's not his movie mm. really I mean, all the stuff that really happens is because of him. But uh, a very young Journey Smollett is the is the uh, is the child actress in this, mm. uh, and Megan Good, who's like sixteen, is in this. Yeah. Um, but it's a uh, it's about uh, it's about how she gets annoyed at a party that they're having, and they're they're this very wealthy New Orleans. Uh, I don't know if it's New Orleans. It's Louisiana, Louisiana for sure. Yeah. They're very, they're very wealthy Louisiana. Uh, you know, he's a doctor and they're, they come from a long line of like the, you know, like, uh, socialites or whatever and everything. The Batiste family, mm. uh, journey Smollett gets really annoyed at the party and she runs off to some sort of like boathouse or something like that, or some, some house that's apart from the, and uh, she falls asleep and then is awakened by her father and some other and a woman that's not her mom making out and about to have sex. Mm. And uh, and it sort of sets these wheels in motion about like what a bastard Samuel Jackson is in yeah, this movie yeah. and 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 a child's perspective of things. And, and like, you know, what what they what they don't realize, the things that they say can have a lot of consequences and everything the movie is is gorgeous is there a resolution like a definitive resolution at the end of this or was it kept open it's kept open okay yeah the um the, they they give you two sides of a story mm. that happens and they don't tell you which one's the definitive okay one i remember that being the case uh yeah it's awesome yeah it's a great movie casey lemons who is uh I, she's an actress i knew her mostly as the best buddy of jodie foster in silence of the lambs oh. And I think I think she's also in fear of a black hat. Oh yeah, I think she's the reporter in huh. that. But uh, yeah, uh, Casey Lemons. This is a great movie. Um, I would highly recommend that one. And go to movie. It'll still be there when we uh, yeah. when we uh, uh, post this. This is the time to do it. You get thirty days free. Thirty days free. Third. 30 <laughs> 10 years <laughs> 30 days <laughs> so sign, go to mubi.com m-u-b-i.com slash cinema sins you get 30 days free only when you go to that url so mubi.com slash cinema sins and you get all this stuff and more there's there's so much stuff there's an interesting movie called venus and fur that i don't have time to get into right now but it's very interesting you should check it out hmm. uh, among many many other things so try it out it's awesome Movie.com slash cinema sense. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I've got another one. A solid rec- recommend. Ooh, baby. And it's on Netflix. And you should watch this today. Oh. While your wife is watching uh, Blind Hate, you should be watching The Legend of the Drunken Master. Oh, Ooh, Jackie Chan. Yes. I've seen this. Yeah, have you seen it? This is from like the 70s, right? No, you've seen The Drunken Master. Okay. You've seen the original one. Yeah. This is the sequel to it. It's actually in Hong Kong and in China, it's Drunken Master 2. And what? when was this one? Maybe? This was 1994. Okay, never mind. This is the one. Yeah, yeah this, this is, is the, the one, one I've seen. This is amazing. I remember loving it all. If you Okay, so it, it's weird to say that Jackie Chan's prime was in the early to mid 90s. Uh, but that's Here when, in America. That's when American audiences got exposed to him. He was pushing 40 when he was making this movie. Mm. The guy looks like he's 25, mm-hmm. <laughs> just from a muscular build and just like the the stuff that he does in this. Now, I love Jackie Chan. I've watched a lot of Jackie Chan. I've watched some of his Hong Kong stuff. I've watched some of his, you know, latter-day uh, American stuff. This is, I think, the peak of his powers, both as a performer, he co-directed this, and as a choreographer. I have never, ever, ever seen the shit that they do in a movie from 1994 still. So the the whole thing is that there's a drunken style of boxing, mm-hmm. right? That if you do different moves where it looks like you're literally drunk and or if you get drunk and make these moves, uh, <laughs> then you're able to channel a certain fighting style that is almost impenetrable, mm-hmm. right? Impenetrable. Impenetrable. Uh, and he's the master of this. And when he finally shows off what this style can do it's unlike anything that you've ever seen so again i thought i was just having fun with it um and my son was watching it with me it was a lot of fun and then i looked online and like this movie is universally praised and like roger ebert said that the final fight is one of the most amazing action films ever filmed Hmm. Uh, action scenes ever filmed and i totally believe it's it's so crazy The, the I cannot explain the crazy choreography, especially in that last fight. It's on Netflix. It's breezy and light, but it's fun, and you will have just too much fun. I can't imagine it's any better than the tuxedo. <laughs> By the way, I think he still does this in his uh, in his American stuff, like Shanghai Nights and all that stuff, where at the end during the credits, like oh, he'll, yeah. they'll show the, the stunts and all that stuff and the, the bloopers where he gets hurt and stuff yeah. like that. They do that here. He could have died a million times. Yeah, in this I mean, one. there's a very thin line between brilliance and stupidity. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that he, he maybe he could have died. Maybe he let's in an alternate reality he did die, but like only the brilliant people would even take that chance. This mm-hmm. is uh, what I heard though about Jackie Chan when he came over here is that all the stuff that he 
was able to do in I, was it Hong Kong or mm-hmm. both or was it both Hong Kong and China? It may have been both, but I think Hong Kong was the the main place where he. Um, there there wasn't any uh, issue with insurance or anything like that. You could just go and like if you wanted to risk your life, that's that's your prerogative. When he came here and did rush hour, uh, he I think it started to be where he couldn't do all of his own stunts anymore, mm. uh, and they had to give him a stunt double in some spots. I'm not sure if that's like uh, across the board or if like he did a lot of his stunts, but some of the really like you know could kill you type stuff. That's what they had to do mm. or whatever, but there's a noticeable difference right when someone comes over to america and they can't do that type of stuff anymore the way the way the movies are made are completely different too mm-hmm. uh but they're not as they're not as i mean rush hour's fun obviously oh yeah but like a lot of the stuff that they tried to do jackie chan in america type movies were not nearly like the the fun that you would want to have in in something like you know he brought up the tuxedo that's a case in point right yeah. You know, these uh, there he, he's not allowed to do everything that he wants to do in those movies. No, and he's funny. He's funny in Rush Hour because he's the fish out of water, mm-hmm. and he's you know his his comedy his comedy is on point. In fact, in uh, Legend of the Drunken Master, the acting through his face, especially when he's drunk, uh, is is just absolute like a delight because he can communicate just a ridiculous amount while he's doing these crazy stunts. He'll have these facial expressions that are cartoonish, yeah. and that's what I've I've never seen in somebody like Bruce Lee or even uh, uh, Ja or like uh, Donnie Yen. Like they haven't been able to to put those two together. Like Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan to me is a singular talent in what he was able mm-hmm. to do. Well, there's a reason why he was compared to like Chaplin and, yeah. and uh, Keaton yeah. and all these guys. Yeah. Um. So, Legend of Drunken Master or Drunken Master Two? That's, That's right. A huge it's on recommend. Netflix. Yeah, it's on ne- Netflix. You should watch it. It's you fun. have to watch the first one to really know what's going on in part two, though. Right? <laughs> I'm going to recommend a movie that is a hundred percent Barrett and zero percent Jeremy. All right. Mm, uh, sounds up my, <laughs> yeah, up my alley. Yeah, this is something that Jeremy would have <laughs> absolutely no patience for. But, uh, <laughs> but this movie's really good, and I would I would suggest to Jeremy to at least try to watch it. But you know, I you can sort of you can I, after a while I know what you guys' tastes <laughs> are. Uh, but uh, you know, I haven't seen as much Jean Luc Godard as I as I've should have as a as a movie aficionado and everything i should have seen like you know half of this guy's filmography but i've only seen before this weekend i had only seen two of his hmm. one was breathless and mm-hmm. the other one was a uh a gerard depardieu movie called oh woe is me which we saw on movie mm. um there's another movie he made called alphaville um mm. and uh it is about a guy who goes to this this town it's they they're they're the movie is saying this is in like in outer space essentially even though it's very very like in france you know Mm. it's in paris you know (laughs) but they're saying it's a it's a completely different planet and everything this guy comes in to a hotel and uh and he's investigating something or he needs to find some information about something and then things are very strange from the outset like stuff that just comes out of nowhere that you're just like like whoa whoa wait a minute what what the hell just happened hmm. uh 
he comes into this hotel and there's this woman who's accompanying him as he goes to the goes to his hotel room and the woman's like would you like to uh would you like to take a rest today would you like to do this would you like to do that and he doesn't answer he goes into the goes into the room and she follows him in and uh and uh he says something about taking a bath and the girl's like oh well i can take a bath with you and everything starts t- taking her clothes off and everything hmm. uh and uh and he doesn't say anything at all goes into the bathroom they run the water and then suddenly there's a guy chasing after him and he's like and and he's like trying to shoot him down and everything and they run through the hotel and everything and it's <laughs> like what the hell just happened huh. as you get further into this movie you realize that he's here because he is he's trying to find out about this system that's running the whole planet or whatever called the alpha 60 and it's a it's a computer that has become like sentient or so in some way or and uh, everybody who is in this town acts in a logical fashion and everybody who is in this town that there's a lot of talk about how certain words have been erased from the dictionary so there's things where he's like asking questions and the guy's like why what is why i don't Hmm. know what why is what does that mean and and stuff like that uh if you get into this movie's vibe you'll realize and i'm 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 debating on whether or not to explain what i think it is what what uh what the people i watched it with think it is because it it is more fun to kind of like learn that on your own Mm -hmm. just know that what you're seeing i don't think is being presented as any kind of reality that you know Hmm. and that the the characters acting within alphaville are part of a bigger system and you have to kind of like know that when you go in and and there were even things that I started debating with myself as the guy started started going through this world. Certain words don't probably don't have the same meaning as they are. Sometimes sometimes there's for instance there's a part where he says something. There's somebody that tells him this. There's going to be fifty executions for men for every woman. And you have to actually, when you see this go- taking place on the on the screen, it's, it involves a pool and a bunch of swimmers, mm-hmm. and it's an execution going on. Hmm. And you have to decide: does the word execution mean what I think it means, or does it have a second meaning that means something else in this? Because if words are being erased from the dictionary, if certain words they don't understand are not the same words you have to understand that what does it mean in this system? Hmm. And so a lot of the things in there are things that will not make sense at all. But if you start thinking about it on a, a sort of a different plane, that the movie will have, it may not make total sense even when you get to that conclusion, but I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. It's really good. From the sixties. It's from 1965. Okay. Uh, Alphaville, uh, Jean-Luc Godard movie. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, it is a weird movie and you have to i think you have to go till the very end and then sort of decide what did i just watch hmm. it's not so it's not so weird that like i don't know that there's no reason for it sometimes movies are just weird and you're just like there's no reason for this yep. i don't even have any idea what they could possibly be saying this is by the end of this one you can sort of say okay yeah i i may not explain everything but if you think of it in in terms of of this kind of world then yeah things start making a little bit more sense i'm down 
I'm down. So why? So find find you some Alphaville. Yeah, Alphaville. Like like you, I need to dive into his his catalog because I've seen Breathless. Breathless is really good too. Yeah, I uh, thought Breathless was the Coors. The what? <laughs> the, the, the Coors. Don't they sing Go on? Go on. Come on, there's, leave I think, me breathless. I think there's also a Richard Gere movie called Breathless. <laughs> there's also Madonna's character in Dick Tracy was Breathless Mahoney. I, no, or was that? <laughs> oh shit! It might be. Uh, it's actually a remake. The Richard Gere one is a remake. Oh wow! I did not know that. Uh, probably it, it, still not something you need to see. Yeah, it's like it got a five point something on IMDb. Yeah. The the Jean Luc Godard movie has a seven point nine. That that Breathless is awesome. Ah, yeah. okay. What you got? So I watched a movie last night. Oh no! I have to. I have to warn it. Avengers Endgame. I want. <laughs> I want to wreck a warn it. Because I want some people to watch it. <laughs> but I had two glasses of wine before I watched it. I will say, essentially, that warns do become recommends a lot of times. Well, then let's just hard warn this shit. It's a movie <laughs> from 2015. It's playing right now on Stars called Riot. Oh, I think I've seen this on the... I flip the, by the 2015. I see Dolph Lundgren's name. I see a description of a guy who robs a bank intentionally to get himself thrown into prison so he can revenge on a bad guy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, All right. I'll watch. All right. So let me tell you who this stars, other than Dolph Lundgren, who has one of the smallest parts in the movie. The star is Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese has been in other things. Yes. Do you know any of them? No. <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you the, know the, the name? The ones he is known for is like, some be- what Beauty and the Beast movie, a movie called The Eleventh Hour, and another one called One Shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a <laughs> double discount Chuck Norris. All right. Like if Chuck Norris had like a nephew twice removed, we're gonna find out that this is like <laughs> one of his sons or something. <laughs> like Chuck Norris has like ten kids spread across the world, like, and like he's one of them. I'm gonna tell. Okay, because the bad guy. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. The bad guy is Chuck Liddell doing a Russian accent. Oh, no. This is the MMA fighter, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So for a time, I thought everyone in this movie was some sort of wrestler or boxer. Uh-huh. Just because Chuck Liddell was in it, and I didn't recognize anyone else. And the entire movie is different scenes of him getting jumped in the prison and beating ass. <laughs> Over and over and over. Like, he gets jumped in the laundry room, beats ass. He gets jumped in his own cell, beats ass, while his cellmate sleeps through it. Then he gets taken into some solitary room, and some of the guards come in and start beating ass. Why? Because Chuck Liddell, he's the main bad guy. He's a prisoner, but he runs this whole yeah. prison. Yeah. He wears a suit. The guards protect- He wears a suit? Yes. The guards protect him. Not the other way around. Um, And he calls the shots. And so he puts out a hit on this guy. Cooper? Copper? Clark? The main guy. No fucking clue. Uh, um, Chuck Norris. Um, And he's put $100,000, anybody that brings me his head, prisoner or guard. All right. All right. Yeah. And basically the movie ends in a, can you guess? A riot. Nice. <laughs> a riot where Dolph Lundgren turns out to have been a good guy. He's an FBI c- a undercover agent. 
Is he a, a prisoner? Yes. Okay. And a blonde girl from the women's prison, which I guess is next door. <laughs> because she gets knocked out by a woman prisoner. She picks a fight, gets intentionally knocked out, wakes up in the infirmary, picks her own handcuffs, climbs up into the ceiling, and then goes over into the men's prison and does some sneaky shit with cameras and whatnot. The fuck? And gets back in time. So her and Dolph Lundgren are working together to try and help Cooper Copper Clark get to Chuck Liddell. And... There's even a point where it's like Mission Impossible uh, Ghost Protocol mm -hmm. where Tom Cruise is telling Simon to open, open this gate, open this gate, oh, open yeah, this gate, yeah. let me through. And he starts telling the Dolph Lundgren guy, open B-24, open. And then they're about to lose their computer control. He says, fuck it, open all of them. Open all the doors, open all the halls, open all the cells. And it's just chaos. <laughs> it's a riot. And what's funny is... I want to watch this movie again and only watch the background fights in the riot because I bet you they are flimsy as shit. Oh my god! Yeah, because all, all you're supposed to be paying attention to is this fight with the main character right here. The first time he gets jumped, it's in the cafeteria. That's, I sure. think that's appropriate. And yeah. as soon as he beats ass, he sits right back down and starts eating again because yeah, 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 he's yeah. a hard hard ass. That's he's a right. Tough. I had the most fun watching this movie. I, and it's a straight warn. I have yes, and I have not. I have not had this much fun since John Wick 3. Only John Wick 3 was awesome. Yeah. And this was awful. But it was so awful. And there's something about Chuck Liddell doing a Russian accent that you can't, you can't, you can't even know until you experience it yourself. How's his Russian? You should, you should watch the trailer just to, I don't even want to approximate it. Oh, uh, man. I don't By even the way, want to try. His name is Copper. Cop, <laughs> Copper Jack Stone. Copper Jack Stone. Um, uh, and, uh, and I kept thinking during this whole thing of the Kaiser Chiefs song called I Predict a Riot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it was like, I think the song predates this movie, but I'm sitting there thinking, like, they're watching the movie Riot, and they're, like, not seeing a riot, but they're like, I predict a riot. <laughs> I predict a riot. Um, uh, by the way, it also looks like uh, uh, Nikita. Kita Bogoyabov, who plays Meyerbeck in Barry, is in this as well. Oh, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So I was just looking through all the the names. There's a lot of pretty women in this riot move, prison riot movie. Yes, uh, that's why I say that. I think the prisons are next door to each other. Yeah, because for a while there, I wasn't sure why we were even seeing anything in a women's prison till at the very end it comes together. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think they usually have. I mean, the next door. The I don't think so. I maybe once upon a time, but I don't think anymore. Yeah. I think mm. they keep them pretty separate. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe uh, Chuck Liddell, because he's running things, was like, hey, put the fly like, honeys right next to him. I had only ever seen Chuck Liddell act on Entourage when he played Chuck Liddell. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he didn't do that very well. <laughs> he didn't do that very well. So imagine. <laughs> yeah. So that movie's Riot. I don't know if it's a warn or a recommend, <laughs> but you should go watch it. <laughs> I think I probably will. If actually. you have stars, it's on there. I'll right tell you now. what, you want to have fun, you watch Drunken Ma Legend of the Drunken Master, <laughs> and I'll watch Riot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. May end up watching both of those. Back to back. Cool. You want to do some questions? We yeah, let's do some yeah, questions. Let's do it. Shit. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. <laughs> Shit. Shit. <laughs> oh, the. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he went. That was a. Are you okay? Yeah, I just. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a fun one. What are some of the best or worst character introductions mm. in movies? Okay, so I'm going to go with Colonel Kurtz in, uh, in Apocalypse Now, the Marlon Brando. Man, he can't get any better than that. Yeah. He's, I 
think you just hear his voice at first and then we finally see him come out of the shadows <laughs> he goes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you speak burmese <laughs> yeah um but uh that's a good one the joker in the dark knight is a great character Excellent. introduction yeah. uh Yoda in Empire Strikes Back is a great character introduction. Ooh, Which agree. time? Like, before he reveals himself or when he reveals we, himself? I mean, we are introduced to Yoda before we know who Yoda is. Oh, and you. when he is uh, fucking with Luke, when he goes to the Dagobah yeah. system and everything. Honestly, uh, that was the original title of that movie, Fucking with Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looking? Yeah. Not someone you have, I would say. Fucking with you, I say. <laughs> uh, Sean Connery in Untouchables Ooh, is a great character. I almost wrote that one down. Yeah, because uh. he's just doing a regular like beat, and uh, Kevin Costner runs into him while he's doing his beat and everything, and there's that whole that line that you love in there yeah. that he's like, uh he's like how come how come you don't know that i'm uh blah 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 and he because he told him that he was a uh, whatever officer you're a treasury officer you said so yourself yeah and he goes <laughs> and then yeah he says who would claim to be that who was not <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and he uh and so then connery sort of becomes the heart of that whole movie too mm -hmm. which is so crazy uh, because he, because Connery's like, you're not doing this the right way. You got to go in and kick some ass, man. You can't, you can't just do this like process shit over and over. Then he turns to the camera and goes, "How many people want to kick some ass? <laughs> <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do." Is uh, this uh, Sean Connery's best performance? Ooh, ooh. Well, there is medicine, man. There is medicine. Yeah. Man. Well, um, I mean, the Bond stuff is the Bond stuff, but yeah. it's not. This is uh, up there. I I would say yes. I, and I haven't seen everything. And remember, Sean Connery's in like 150 movies. But yeah, um, he's but probably he's, he's good in Hunt for Red October. But he's not acting like he is in Untouchables. Yeah, yeah. I think he's I think he's really like with it and on board. And that he's in 94 different things, by the way. And The Rock, he's just kind of playing off of himself. The mm -hmm. Untouchables, he looks like he's really like engaged. Yeah, it and, seems like he's really acting yeah 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 acting uh one other one that i put in here and i haven't seen devil in a blue dress in a long time but uh i believe don Cheadle's character comes in uh when denzel washington's getting his ass beat hmm. we don't even know the mouse character that don Cheadle plays at this point uh and so like he's getting in a fight and you're like oh shit denzel's dead right who's gonna who how's he gonna get out of this and then like uh you see a gun just show up behind the guy who's wrestling him and everything <laughs> and don Cheadle's like you want me to you want me to shoot him easy you want me to shoot him you want me to shoot him and i think it's the first time we ever see him in huh. the movie that's a great introduction yeah. i did have one worst i couldn't think of very many horrible ones mm -hmm. um but uh and i'm not even sure if this is the first time we're introduced to him but j edgar hoover in nixon the bob hoskins uh bob hoskins is playing j edgar hoover in that and we are introduced to him you know is this i mean oliver stone seemed to have a real problem with his gay characters like mm. either in alexander he like ignored most of it mm -hmm. or in jfk it was like some sort of sideshow type mm -hmm. of thing and in this one it's kind of like oh look at him he's such a pervert and, you know he like puts this little thing in his mouth and his like his butler guy goes over and like you know like goes over and takes it out of his mouth and they kiss and everything mm. and it's done in this real salacious 
way. And there's even a guy next to Jay Edgar Hoover who's like, oh, my God, you know, all this type, you know, there, it's a terrible character introduction. Mm. Jay Edgar Hoover, I want to see like an actual like maybe not even handed uh, introduction. I mean, I guess the movie Jay Edgar, but that movie's not very good. That movie was not very good. No. Um, But a more even handed thing than that. Mm. You got to the you know, this is the guy who's like putting files out on everybody and everything. He's. He's much more than just like introducing him as this like perverted, you know, like I'm going to, it's, it, it, there's just the way he films it is like, Ugh. look at what a fucking pervert this guy is. And this, it's like, fuck you. This guy does not do subtlety very well. No, 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 no. I didn't see the part of the question about worst. So it's a hard, it's a hard I've, one I've to come up. Huh? I've got the worst. You got it. I only wrote down ones that I thought were awesome, but I was trying to stay off the beaten path. So my first one, my best one, is Mary McDonald in Sneakers. Yeah. Because they need some extra help. He's not smart enough to understand the math conference he's going to have to go to. And they're like, hey, who do you want to go with us, me or this guy? And he's like, oh, I was thinking I'd take Liz. And everyone in the group stops and turns like, and so you as an audience member know already this is someone important from the past. Mm -hmm. And then he walks into the piano studio and sees her sitting there, but she's not moving and her shoulders aren't moving. And it's, it's playing the sweeping boom <laughs> as he walks around the piano and sees it's this tiny little girl playing it. <laughs> and she's the piano teacher. <laughs> My father was a piano mover. Um, I just thought that was a great introduction that, that kind of throws you off kilter a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see, Syndrome in The Incredibles. Did you want to say something about she's, her? The, the, the part where she's he asks her to go to this conference that Donald Logue is doing his conference or whatever, and she's like, she's like, we are not getting back together. And he goes, hey, don't flatter yourself and all that. And then she's like, uh and then she says pick me up at nine i think and then and then and then uh uh she walks off and he's like yes <laughs> <laughs> he loves her uh i like syndrome in the incredibles because it's almost a full halfway through the movie before he shows up now he showed up his buddy earlier oh okay i got you yeah, basically yeah, when mr incredible goes back out the second time to the island he's in the conference room waiting for a meeting mm -hmm. and then the conference room's pulled apart and there's the monster but immediately syndrome's like he's bigger he's better <laughs> and i like just the reveal of not only there being a puppet master and it being a bad place not a happy island and then of course it turns out to be buddy i think that's a great character introduction. Mm. and the only other one that i will uh, say is worth naming uh is even though i have some radical star trek opinions that i'm about to introduce to the world nice but anything uh, that upsets at a star trek fans is good with me i'm saying in the future but i will say okay so <laughs> so wrath of khan is great yep i'm starting to believe that jj abrams star trek in 2009 mm -hmm. is the best star trek mm. Mm. oh you're talking about the original reboot I don't not, think, not the into darkness not into darkness I, think yeah, that, yeah. I don't i don't how controversial would that be um a lot of trek fans think it's too flashy yeah but well, it's it is, also but... it's also extremely excellent now that you can look back on it 10 years after it came out um it's getting i think it's got its own sort of like you know people have really started to appreciate it's that the one. heart of trek man that whole chris hemsworth scene that starts it all out and then chris pine basically starting out selfish cocky self-serving and ending out you know basically willing to sacrifice where he needs to um great movie but anyway khan's introduction in wrath of khan mm. is an all-timer yes it is with the beetles in the helmets and the explaining that they're on the wrong planet and who he is um 
So that was those were the three I wrote down. Nice. I have a best slash worst. Okay. Calvin Candy and Django Unchained. Okay. Oh. I watched this movie once, and I cannot bring myself to watch it again. And even though I love the whole sequence at Candy's Candyland, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's got all the tension of Inglorious Bastards. It's got all star performances from Jamie Foxx and uh, Christoph Waltz and uh, Leo. But the intro when they walk in is almost an iconic shot at this point where it zooms in, quick zoom right on Leo, and he's got the cigarette and everything, and he's like, you know, he tips his hand. It's a gift, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, before gifts were gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in the context of this fight between his two slaves, or two of his slaves. Yeah. That I can't, I can't stomach. I know, I know that's the point of the movie, mm-hmm. but I, I just can't stomach it. Uh, so the scenes that I have watched since then have been when they sit down to dinner and all that stuff and, and all that is great. And it's a great introduction. It's a great introduction in context to show you how evil yet charming he is. Mm-hmm. Sure. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of the thing. It's, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that Tarantino, I think what he cared most in making this movie was the revenge aspect. Yes. First and foremost. Mm-hmm. And sensitivity to race issues was a distant consideration. Yeah, he wanted to set it up to where you felt absolutely no problem whatsoever with Django doing whatever he wanted to. Right. Rightfully so. But I don't think he had to go to those lengths that he needed to go in the movie. Now, I understand reality is a different thing. Yeah, sure. I I think knowing Tarantino, he he researched that so well that he had to include some of those things in there. I, I'm of a completely different mind on that. I mean, not that I can just watch that movie with impunity and I haven't, and it's, I think it's not his best and it's like one of his, I'd put it at the bottom actually. And it's a, of a, and it's still good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that type of thing, when they put it in movies, a lot of times it, it doesn't bother me in the sense of, uh, it's hard to explain, right? Like mm. it doesn't, it, it bothers me. Yes. That that really happened, but in the, that he put it in the movie doesn't bother me. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that when you put in stuff that really happened, if, if he had invented that, then, then we start having sort of a kind oh, of a yeah. talk about like, okay, <laughs> you know, did, did this need to be in here? Mm-hmm. But I think that, yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you don't need to have that much stuff to get the point that this guy needs to die and everything. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, basically, you're saying the same thing, basically, yeah. like, it, it uh, we get the point. Mm-hmm. I'm fully, I want to see him beat ass much more than I want to see why he's beating ass. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the worst introduction of all time. Oh, I'm going to wow. be hyperbolic about it. Suicide yeah. Squad. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Every character in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Well, anything where they require the name of the character to be splashed <laughs> and stats. on. And the stats. Yeah. Country and of origin. New, and a new musical cue for each. That movie, that's the thing I remember most, is it has like six major songs in like the first seven minutes. Yeah. Like yeah. Every time we switch over it, you don't own me. Yeah. <laughs> we switch to somebody else. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I, we watched it when it came out in theaters, and then... And I watched it to Senate, and I haven't gone back to it, even any of it. Like, I've gone back to Justice League just because it was on. Yeah. I haven't gone back to it. But it's weird because that movie lifts, it's left such a bad taste in my mouth that I think it probably impacted my initial viewing of, like, because that came out before Batman v Superman, didn't it? No, it came out after Batman v Superman, before Justice League. 
Okay. Mm. I thought, okay. Well, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the James Gunn one. Sure. Um, I think um, I, I will be able to go in with a clean slate. The first one is not going to give any baggage for me. <laughs> the first one is bad on a level where... And it, it was like hard to sin it even. Yep. That's how, mm-hmm. that's how, uh, not hard as in coming up with material, but how much you had to pause it yeah. to stop and go, <laughs> this is wrong. This is ridiculous too. Um, I, 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 every time Suicide Squad is brought up, I think of things that we wrote about it and just stuff in there that they threw in that it's like, this felt, this felt like an idea they threw in and didn't develop it, but they kept it in the movie and they didn't realize why it was there in the first place. And then, you know, they shot it and it's like, okay, that's part of the movie now. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, but <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't have anything to Wait do a with anything. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I also, I also was excited about that movie before it came out because there was discussion because of how, uh logan was able to get through with that r rating and it was a huge hit and everything i thought suicide squad was going to be an Mm r-rated not that r rating would have made it any better but Mm -hmm. i just i was excited about that aspect of it too that was going to be like this balls to the wall type of thing and it really wasn't it was awful and terrible character introductions one of my favorite introductions of all time is nicole kidman and eyes wide shut <laughs> it's genius i went back and watched it i've i mean i i've seen this movie i may have seen this movie more times than any other kubrick movie besides the shining mm. and that first shot is iconic for so many reasons because you have it is you can't get more simple of an intro it's block lettering on black background Filmed by Stanley Kubrick, you know, Tom Cruise, uh, Nicole Kidman. And then it's this shot of uh, Nicole Kidman standing in her closet slash dressing room and just taking off her, her, I guess, work dress Mm -hmm. and just starting to get ready for this big ball. And it's such a stark introduction because it probably lasts three, four, five seconds or something like that before it goes into the title card of Eyes Wide Shut. But it, it tells you so much about that character that... She's initially going to be treated almost like an object because she's naked, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but also that she's she's basically starting the movie laying bare. I mean, she's in the birthday suit, essentially. So there's a lot of like visual imagery. There's a lot of character development in just those three to five seconds of her standing there and dis- disrobing. And it's just magic. And the music that you were humming is is a waltz that i always forget what the the name of it is um but it's a classical piece of uh, work and god damn it's so brilliant yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. contrasting to the end of that movie that maybe we'll get to no we won't <laughs> uh my question for the pod is what scene ending line of dialogue was just distracting and out of place with the rest of the movie uh this person actually the email subject was uh, what has two thumbs and loves blowjobs. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny? The other day I was trying to think of where that came from because I remember that line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and that was the first time I'd ever heard it. And then and I don't know if it was because of the movie or it was because it was already a thing before the movie. I started hearing people do yeah, that yeah. a lot more often. But uh, I was like, what movie is that? And this question comes up. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I haven't seen Insomnia in forever. Yeah, it's from Christopher Nolan's Insomnia, which I had I completely forgotten about. 
but it's it's these lines of dialogue that are so out of place that it almost takes you out of the movie and or you think about for the rest of the movie because it's so out of out of bounds mm-hmm. to paraphrase guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um one uh a couple that I came up with and i don't know if these completely um go under the criteria but i think they're close one is because a line that is said is towards the end of the movie and so like to get taken out of the end of this movie the last five ten minutes is silly but mm. uh there's a line that i just mull over every once in a while life aquatic jeff goldblum has a line where towards the end he's talking to bill murray and they're talking about how they're horrible husbands or uh-huh. whatever and he says we've never made great husbands of course i have an excuse i am part gay <laughs> <laughs> and Whoa. and it just, and 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 bill murray's like says something to the effect of uh uh i think all of us are in some way or something like that <laughs> and then it just cuts to the next thing huh. and it's just a weird way of saying that right <laughs> part gay like it's, it's a very wes anderson way <laughs> to very wes anderson way of saying it uh and jeff goldblum <laughs> I was I watched a thing that he did with uh, Colbert. It's that movie plot roulette thing that he does with some actors, hmm. and the actor sits on the couch and uh, and he they give him like these cards and they give him a bare bones plot of a movie that they're in, or like a tricky way of saying the plot that they're in, and they have to guess which movie it is. Okay. So like they goes he goes through all this, and the first one is like. Uh, things go wrong after african tree frog dna uh you know blah 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 and it's so jurassic park and <laughs> jeff goldblum's like uh oh my god i may be stumped right off the beginning <laughs> and then finally goes oh that's that's jurassic park isn't it and and, and then he gets he, he gets a lot of like harder ones later mm. you're like the fuck jurassic park <laughs> jeff goldblum is so such a weird dude yes, man is. i want to meet that guy i know i know um and just him saying that i'm part gay it just comes out of nowhere um there's another one uh that i have on here and 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 know that this is out of place only because of when you look at the rest of the movie but it's the the one scene that you're going to remember mm-hmm. planes trains and automobiles oh yeah mm-hmm. has the scene where steve martin goes up to the rent-a-car lady and he's already had a horrible like past 24 48 hours and he he's gone out to see that his car isn't there there's no car he and uh and uh he goes up there she's on the phone like not paying attention to him and everything and you know he does that whole she does that whole uh may i help you sir and he's like yes (laughs) he just goes into that whole thing where he's like i want a fucking car (laughs) right fucking now and and he says fuck probably like 15 times in this scene it's the only scene in the entire movie where there's any swearing. The like, rest of the movie is very chaste, essentially, very, right? It's like, very PG, PG-13 yeah, yeah. type of movie. And then, then there's this one profane section. And you really... It, the movie actually has a hard time recovering from that scene yeah. because it's so funny. It's so out there. Uh, it does get to its heart, the heart of it uh, after this because Steve Martin does go through that whole thing where he reunites with candy and he realizes that 
John Candy's wife has is probably dead and mm. he's been talking about her in a way that he didn't realize was in the past tense or that he was trying, you know, that he was trying to cover for the fact that she was dead and he didn't ha- he didn't have anybody to go home to. Mm. So it does get to the heart of it afterwards. But you're that scene right there in those smack in the middle of the movie. It's yeah. It just gets you into that. You just keep thinking about that the whole time. It's such a centerpiece to that mm. thing. Uh, I love playing trains and automobiles, but that scene right there is going to has a hard time staying with that from that moment. I forward. bet people were rolling in the theater. Oh, my God. I would have loved to have been old enough to watch <laughs> that movie when I was that came out when I was 10. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with something from The Martian, uh, because uh, Jeff Daniels character in this movie is a dickhead. He's such a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> and he's unnecessarily dickheaded. Like when. um vincent kapoor does the his his press conference and says we're working to bring him home right. alive and he yeah. walks back in and says don't say alive vincent <laughs> like there's so much nicer ways and not in public to dress that guy down but in one of the earlier all hands on deck meetings about how they're going to rescue him they figure out the timeline and jeff daniels summarizes it by saying bruce has three months to get the payload done and it cuts to bruce who's at the jpl on a monitor and he goes We'll do our best. And for no goddamn reason at all, <laughs> Jeff Daniels goes, Mark dies if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking duh. Everyone yeah. here knows this. Like, yeah. there's no reason. Yeah. That's only there to remind the audience how urgent everything is in case they've forgotten. But the head of NASA is not going to say to the head of the JPL, well, Mark dies if you don't. Well, yeah. the, the whole conversation has been whittling down. <laughs> you know, it'll take me nine months. Well, you need you. Uh, I can do maybe six months. Yeah. you have three. three months and he's already stern enough he's like three months is the the deadline that's it and so that stinger is even fucking worse you're like god damn it dude it has always bothered me i've seen that movie maybe 20 times now but every single time mark dies if you don't it's so mm-hmm. spiteful it's so unnecessarily mean yeah stop thinking about your deadlines and just do it there's a human life hanging in the balance if you didn't know that yeah mark dies if you don't um mine is from an m&m song Ooh, lose yourself. Uh, love the way you lie. Oh, Rihanna. Yeah, right. Good song. I, I, right. Okay, really good video. Eminem with Rihanna is not as good as Eminem by himself. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I got you. All right, but it's got uh, Dominic. Who's uh, Charlie from Lost? Dominic uh, Monahan. Monahan and uh, Jennifer's body. Megan Fox. Okay, they're in this video and they're this contentious relationship. It's great, man. They're, they're, the house is on fire and everything. They're arguing. They're they're boning. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Are they right? friends with a monster under their bed? They're friends with the monster under your bed. Uh, but during the lyrics, it's uh, it's about this contentious relationship and everything. And then he gets to the end of the second verse where he's like, "Now you get to watch her leave out of the window." I guess that's why they call it window pane. No, oh. that's a bad line. Oh. That's a bad line. That is such an uneminemic line yeah. that i cannot stomach that song guess I, that's why they call it window pane come on the your hip fuck up, wiggle your lips <laughs> <laughs> i mean he's never he's i mean he's had bad lyrics his whole career <laughs> yep. it's just some are worse than others the window, window pane, pane one is bad maybe number one <laughs> i tell uh, the whole the whole of the song stan is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me what i can't stand it uh, do you do you, you can't do you not stand like it? The, do you not you not like the the Dido portions of it either? I like the Dido song on its own. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just don't like. 
Okay, you know I'm an Eminem fan, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I got his back mm-hmm. more often than not. Mm-hmm. It just, remember how we were talking about Taylor Swift? Mm-hmm. And how there's just a little bit of a, you kind of do mm-hmm. think you're awesome, though. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I feel like that's Stan, the entire song. It's like, I'm going to make myself look good. I have fans that are obsessed. And they're so obsessed that they do crazy things and die, but I still return their mail. (laughs) (laughs) Point taken. Point taken. (laughs) What is an example of a plot point in a movie which does not appear in any other movie ever made? Now, this is an ambitious question. Okay. But... I think we have some solid answers here. Yeah, and and it's ambitious mainly because you can come up with something and then there'll be some asshole out there who's like, no, no, I saw that movie in the movie like, uh, you know, Madeline or something like that. Um, but uh, I believe, and and obviously this movie was based on a comic book, so it probably came from the comic book first, but uh, Scott Pilgrim having to defeat seven evil exes to, de- to, to, date, to date Ramona in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Movie is just wholly unique. Yes, it is. Even since. I've never seen anything no. since that comes close no. to it. No, it's, hard. It would, it's, a, it's a movie that's hard to replicate because... First off, Edgar Wright. Nobody mm-hmm. else is Edgar Wright. And then, uh, and then when you make sometimes things are so unique, like they're they're hard to like. Yeah, you know, I, I was reading uh, a cracked article a few years ago talking about like it's weird that certain bands didn't get copied very much, like mm. Red Hot Chili Peppers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And and I think it's because the sound is so them that if you try to make it. You first off, you can't, and then second off, you're probably going to suck at it and mm. not be, you're not going to be successful at yep. it. So anybody tried to do a Scott Pilgrim type movie, yeah, it's the same thing. You gotta, you gotta be have the right elements to do it. You gotta have that cast. You have to have that director. You have to have that editing and like the little, you know, text scrawls on there. Yeah. Like every once in a while, the quick cuts to the sex bomb, the music. Beck wrote the the songs for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, damn. you have awesome. just the right actors like Michael Sarah, Jason Schwartzman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. These people, I mean, Anna Kendrick in a small role. You have like Karen a, Culkin is in that, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yes. But yeah. Uh, but just the idea, like how they how they are like battling you with music and their uh, yeah. and uh, and there's like just the idea of seven evil exes somehow, some way, Jason Schwartzman they throw it off as a joke at the end because he's like you know how long it took me to get that seven seven evil exes together like an hour or something like that and um and uh it 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 may somehow some way he was able to magically make them uh you know a part of this video game yeah even though they don't really explain that and you don't have to if they explained it it would be shitty But like just the idea that they are magically drawn to fight him <laughs> and they have to fight him so that he can date this girl. That's never been done. No. You no, also have uh, Superman hooking up with uh, Captain Marvel. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the the old uh, the the uh, Superman and it, Superman. Yeah. 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 That's the, uh, the 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 not many people remember Brie Larson's in that. Yeah. Oh, God. She's amazing in this. Movie. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, Her there's talent. a ton. There's a million people in this that you don't remember. There's that whole 
uh thing with uh, i think it's thomas jane and clifton collins who are those like cops who come in and mm-hmm. and uh and uh and they talk to uh, uh superman brandon, oh, yeah. brandon ralph yeah yeah uh, the vegan and, police yeah the vegan police and <laughs> then like uh it says here on thursday you had gelato and he's like gelato's vegan he's like that's milk and eggs on brain <laughs> 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 then he goes you had a chicken parmesan and he's like chicken parmesan is vegan right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have that awesome uh chris evans cameo that's in there mm-hmm. too captain america's in this movie oh yeah that's right uh but uh the, the chris evans thing is awesome too yeah. uh that movie god what a great movie yeah it is yeah it is it's good mm-hmm. it's good yeah. i almost went with neo dodging the bullets on the roof in the matrix and i think i could make an argument for almost the whole of the matrix being a a wholly unique plot point except that there have been other movies and stories about the world we live in is a fiction pulled over our eyes but at the end of matrix reloaded now there's a there's a renaissance these days for reloaded and revolutions there's a lot of people of course saying these movies are better than you remember some people even thinking it's better than the first i don't agree with any of them i i I still enjoy two and three. I do. There's you lots. Do. There's lots of good stuff there. That fucking staircase fight in Reloaded, and that and Superman fight at the end in Revolutions, A plus plus. But two is better than three. On some days, really. There's the, that. I derailed you. I'm sorry. No, but that final third of Revolutions is still better than any Superman fight ever filmed by Warner Brothers. The, when he yeah, and I agree. Mr. I agree. Smith throw each other around, and then that fucking slow bubble water punch thing. Anyway, um, at the end of the second one, he's broken out. He's not in the program anymore, mm-hmm. and he's not hooked up to the machines in the ship. He's walking around the caverns of the bombed-out Earth. And the Sentinels come in, and he just puts his hand up like he knows, because he can feel them. And he fucking knocks them things out with his brain power. Yeah. In the real world. Yeah. And I left that theater. My mind was boggled. Yeah. Now, none of my theories came true for three. <laughs> I had theories. I had wild, wild theories. But what's so amazing is is that they had built this universe and shown you two full movie stories now in this universe and still had an idea that could blow your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Didn't three come out like just a few months after? Six months later. Yeah, it was the summer was reloaded and then November was revolutions. Wow. I mean, some of that is a good thing, I guess, at the time. But this is one of the... They could use a little bit more planning. Those movies are some of the first uh, I remember being like... They used to just schedule uh big movies for midnight shows now it's common in mm. fact thursday at seven a lot of times you can watch movies now and they include it in the weekend that's very sneaky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but uh but uh yeah they i remember those two and i remember i think it was revolutions um uh we had us we had at hollywood 27 we had a midnight show of it on friday and someone one group one group of people took that very literally and they thought that it meant when thursday was over midnight friday oh Oh, jesus and which nobody in the fucking world (laughs) it took me a second to even figure that out does (laughs) and every time i've had a complaint like this these are the only people in the parking lot and they don't realize that they don't have backup 
they don't have anybody that's <laughs> arguing in their favor here. It's just you that came up with this. Had one long time ago uh, with 101 Dalmatians at my old theater, the the remake, the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians. Mm -hmm. The opening weekend was huge for Disney. And they they said, um, oh, well, shit. Well, we had, we had uh, shows that were at exactly 6 o'clock, and some people forgot that that's a night show, not a matinee. The matinee was at like 4 to 6 or whatever, mm -hmm. or 1 to 6. And, uh, and so like they changed it the next week, Disney themselves changed it. They said, all right, we're just going to have them at seven o'clock. Now there's no six o'clock and all that. And the next week we had people coming in at six. They were the only people, only people who came in at six. Cause they looked at a Sunday paper or something mm -hmm. like that. And they were like, we're here for the 101 animations. <laughs> Sorry. It's at seven now. <laughs> and they, they were like, but it says in the newspaper, it doesn't, but you know, I'm sorry that you came out here. You know, <laughs> I know that you probably looked at the Sunday paper. Don't acknowledge. They never acknowledge that. And it's like, it just says it in the paper. Yeah. It says it. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Do you see, there's no other people around. There's nobody else backing you up. And actually there was one other person came up and drove up. It's like, Oh, do you have 101 Dalmatians at six? And I was like, no, sorry, man. They changed the time. Oh, okay. And drove yeah. off. <laughs> meanwhile, this family, of course you, you don't want to disappoint people, but there's nothing you can do. Yeah. yeah. Just hang out. And it's just, it's, I just hate that. Like people get pissed off at you about that stuff. Same thing with that midnight show. It's just like, they're like, this is false advertisement. Like, we really wanted to false advertise that we <laughs> yes. had a show we, we weren't them. playing. That's right. <laughs> how do we get? How do we benefit from that? By the way, we are going to get another live action, hundred one Dalmatians, just with actual puppies, with actual well, Dalmatians, with Emma Stone. That's all I know. Oh. Called Cruella. Oh, is she playing Cruella? Mm -hmm. hmm. All right. You know, like Glenn Close, she didn't do a good enough job. We gotta re we gotta redo this. There you go. Make she's gonna up. yeah. She's mm. gonna have some straight cash on me. Sure. <laughs> uh, mine is one that we just saw recently, and I love it. It's the fight underwater in John Wick Three. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Where the bullets droop. <laughs> yes. It's so awesome. Yes. <laughs> because we had every just talked about this fairly recently. Freaking movie shows yeah. bullets whizzing. Every movie would have shown. Them having this gunfight in the in the hot tub and like going, you know, right. breaking out the shit. No, not John Wick three. It, they fire point blank and it goes. <laughs> oh my god! It's like watching a wrecked penises fall one at a time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It is exactly like that. Oh my god, dude! If John Wick three is my favorite movie by the end of the year, then something really like just it blew my balls off. Yeah, it's fucked up. To quote my favorite movie reviewer. Uh, but like, and then he figures out within like a couple of seconds, he's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to swim up to you and put him right into your neck." <laughs> and I love it so much. Oh my god, of a of, of a movie with a million surprises, that one stuck out to me because. It was, it's just such a funny visual. Yeah, I have also never seen a horse used in hand-to-hand -hand combat quite Oh, yeah. oh that's movie. true. Yeah, there's a, there's a this movie of... has a dozen that you could answer this yes, question that's with. right. And the other, you know, I'll, I'll throw in the Burj Khalifa scene from Fallout. Mm, yeah. Um, mm. Because it's a fall, ghost, ghost protocol. protocol. Yep. Um, because, yes, you've had, you know, aerial acrobatics and stuff like that in other movies. You've had stuff in tall buildings. 
You never even in like entrapment you had mm-hmm. a thing at the time the tallest structures in the world but you never had anything like this especially with a guy that was doing a lot of his own work um and i i don't know how much of tom cruise was outside of the building i know there was a picture of him at the very tippy top like up oh, at the he was the outside spire. on he had a harness but he was outside on the glass doing the he was outside stuff. on the glass I, yeah obviously he had a, a harness but like yeah he he made it all the way up to the top and i was like god damn so i i don't think you'll ever because of insurance stuff that you were talking about because of practicality and because of just tom cruise being a singular dude similar to jackie chan I don't know if you'll ever see that again. Although, I certainly haven't seen it before. I think Cruz actually does have an insurance policy, but it's like some outrageous amount. Like it's it's one of those like I'm sure the insurance company is glad to to get to take free money for it. Yeah, but it's I think it's outrageous. Like one of those I wouldn't doubt it if it's 150 million dollars. No, like actually, that. if Tom Cruise dies filming a movie doing a stunt, his heirs own Canada. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's how Canada's big the policy like, Sorry, is. guys. <laughs> yeah, you knew the deal going into it. We informed you all. Yeah. via email. Yeah, <laughs> we send out a blast. It's yeah. your own fault. And you know, I mean, it's it was clearly an accident. Nobody was behind. This. <laughs> it's a bunch of Canadians. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were a couple others that uh, I wrote down here. Uh, the in speed, the bus can't go under fifty miles an hour. Yeah, is, oh, yeah. uh, is another type of thing that I've never seen before. And then, yeah, Adam Sandler having to get trying to get million frequent flyer miles by buying a bunch of puddings and yeah. never seen anything like that <laughs> yeah that's good um, he's never happy well he's happy at the end of the movie yeah yeah but he's never happier than when he's buying all that shit oh yeah and he's doing the little dance in the grocery aisle and everything <laughs> i love yeah. when he's like describing it too he's like sitting there going uh he's describing the whole contest he's like he's like i think they came up with the contest because they're trying to push the uh the whatever the dinners the the roast beef dinners because those are like 5.99 but uh you can get a you can get the puddings for like four like like it was four for one or yeah, something yeah. like that yeah. and, and they have all you have the individual upc codes on them <laughs> ah, uh, that's great shit. that's yeah. great okay well that'll do it for this week uh keep going to syncast presented by cinema sins on facebook uh soundcloud we have a cinema sins twitter music video ascends twitter um and uh we have a discord uh that uh, i have been able to uh, deliver a few links to people through facebook you have to get a private link and i think you can also go to some other places and if that's the case jeremy or barrett can tell me if somebody There's else is- also a pets channel on our discord now where people just share pictures of their pets yes yeah i'm gonna get a right shit yeah that's correct we have uh, one for behind the sins that just recently came up the podcast behind the sins has a has a channel yeah there's one for movies there's one for the sincast there's one for the videos there's all sorts of stuff on there uh but uh anyway that'll do it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. When I'm singing along with the Taylor song, I'm usually doing something annoying on purpose. <laughs> like that, like you like, need to I calm need to down. Because <laughs> she sings it so... <laughs> damn. I wrote a scene about this where it's like the... It's a... Uh, like, can he just stop? Can he just not? I was like, take the most annoying traits of a person. <laughs>
and make it into a song. Oh, that man. whole album so far, I, I and I'm and I like the songs. Like I don't have yeah. any problem with them, but but all of them have that sort of quality to it, right? Yeah. Like, um, like I'm kind of above it all, or I'm making fun of myself. But yep. I'm, but she's making fun of herself in that Taylor way. Mm-hmm. That there's something a bit off about it. Yeah. What is it? What is it about it? Like the 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 me song is like sort of like this ha 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 like you know it's a shake it off type single, right? Yeah. What, what do you mean? Shake mean it that it's a better song. Yes, much better. But it, it's like super breezy, super. I don't care about what other people are thinking. Like I've got a nice relationship and everything, and I have self positivity and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's it's. Much more shake it off than it is something like, you know, right. delicate or something yeah. like that. Right, but there's something about that song that's like, you know, like, ha, 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 I think so highly of myself, or blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, but then at the same time, you're like, I feel like you feel this way about yourself. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> She's Taylor fucking Swift, and, though. And, like, she and, probably and, should. And there was that thing that was trending on uh, Twitter just a few days, well, it was like last week or something, where she's like rocking out to her own song and everything, yeah. and she's drunk. Yeah. Did you oh, see that? Oh, was she drunk? Yeah. I just saw the, the, like, the headlines. Yeah, I saw the video, and That's... I can't remember which song it is. Oh, but... she's at a club, right? No, she is. is she in a club? I thought she was like on a rooftop or something. Oh, but yeah. Maybe she's in a club. Anyway, yeah, she's just sitting there like rocking out to her own song, drunk. It actually know? looked to me like she was like, like almost choreographed dancing. Did you watch the video? No. Because she's like. Uh, I saw like a still from it and it looked she's like. She's lip syncing and it gets to that part where it's like, it's 7 a.m. And she like throws all of her hair over in front of her face like she's got morning hair or whatever. But it's extra dramatic because she's had a few drinks. And and then she stands up. There are a couple more times where she does a, a dance motion that corresponds to the lyrics. Um, I think it's harmless enough. Sure. No, I mean, yeah. It's but, harmless. but yeah, you know, I mean, maybe. Tell all your famous friends not to film you when you're drunk, drunk dancing. Shit. She's also allowed to have a few drinks and enjoy her own music. Fuck yeah, man. I was in a shitty band for 10 years. Sorry, guys. Um, the ba- I'm talking to the band members there. Um, <laughs> oh, we, they knew. We recorded three different <laughs> times. We scrounged enough cash three different times to, to actually book time in a recording studio. And every single time we finished, I listened to the shit out of that. Yeah, me too. I would blast that shit, Mike. I felt like a goddamn rock star. She actually is. I know. The, the, the yeah. thing about the VMAs is they've been playing like these artist spotlights. Mm-hmm. So like an hour of Missy Elliott and an hour of Taylor Swift. And I've been seeing a lot of videos I've never seen before from both artists like really? playing. Yeah. I, did, I mean, back in the Missy Elliott days, like I wasn't watching very many music mm-hmm. videos. So all that stuff's new to me. Um, oh, that's a treat then. Man, you yeah. need to be on drugs when you watch some of her <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, but the ta- like when the Taylor stuff comes on, I'm like, God damn, she's so fucking adorable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's one where they show her from like when she's like a baby and then she's like, you know, like it's like all these home videos and everything. And I'm like, yep, there's the there's the making of Taylor right there. Are they playing the back catalog like the I knew you were trouble yeah, and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, they're playing everything. Oh, that one had Romeo and Juliet, right? I don't think so. I think that was the next one. That's the, the one next one where... had mean on it. And that one is awesome. I think I can't even remember how mean goes. Why you gotta be so mean? Oh yeah, no, no, that's why you gotta be so rude. <laughs> Actually, it does. That's magic. <laughs> why you gotta be so rude? 
I like to make him a Rasta singer. Well, they're trying to be Rasta. It's well, they're annoying. singing reggae, but they're not trying to sound Rasta. Well, isn't reggae and Rasta kind of No, man, and, well, the entire discography of The Police is basically reggae music, but that's not Rasta. Rasta's like the, the actual like indigenous... I guess I'm speaking from music theory perspective, and I view reggae as a, a, a beat. Right, yeah, like the new Jonas Brothers song. I can't keep up anymore. I haven't followed the Jonas Brothers since their since that camp movie. Camp sing along. Camp rock. God, one day this is so interesting. I bought on eBay, basically a digital eight track, and it was at the time. The most popular one for like garage musicians and whatnot. But basically, I could lay down tracks with my own instruments and yeah. my own keyboard and digitally mix them and mm-hmm. create my own songs, basically. I bought it on eBay cheap and they did that whole thing. Here's the slip, we'll be back again. And here's the slip, we'll be back again. Third time, I'm racing home from work to get this is when we worked at Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm racing home from work to get there and I fucking passed the UPS guy coming out of our <laughs> cul-de-sac and I turned around and I honked and I lost my life. Yeah, dude. I was like, I gotta have this. You're gonna take it off to some facility. I need it now. Taylor Swift is the original, is the first album. And then Fearless had 15 Love Story. Love Story is that Romeo and Juliet thing, right? Okay. And Breathe. So those were the, and you belong with me. So that's fearless. And then Speak Now comes in, and Speak Now doesn't have nothing on it besides Mean. It's got Mine, Sparks Fly, Back to December. How does Mean go? Why you got me? (laughs) (laughs) But then Red is what what has all the shit on it. You're being too mean. (laughs) I knew you were trouble, 22. We're never, ever getting back together. Uh, And begin again. Begin Again again. She's had a lots of albums. Begin Again is the one where they show her from being a kid. I love right, that right. restaurant. Begin Again's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's awesome. That's a, that's a wild-ass movie. Barracuda. Is that the movie or the song? <laughs> it's just the song. Just the song, music yeah. video for The movie's a, now a streaming service for random songs. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like, here's Barracuda playing it for a month. That's hard, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's hard. It's got to be I think hard. it is. Yeah, I think it is. Hart, the Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Nancy Wilson. Reagan. <laughs> but was rita wilson in it Ooh, rita wilson no but i think she was in sleepless in seattle did you know that she has a, an album she sings music now really just rita like wilson? just like jeremy renner huh oh yeah that's right i saw a jeremy renner thing the other day i was oh like God. really it's the trippiest thing ever some commercial i think but I he's got, it is it's a commercial for trucks or jeeps but he's also doing a tour and he released an album and it is <laughs> it is exactly what you would probably expect from an album released by Jeremy Renner. 
That song is sponsored sure. by sponsored by Jeep. It sounds. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But nine times out of ten, when an, uh, an actor says I'm a musician, mm-hmm. it's it's Bruce more, Willis. It's more thirty odd foot of grunt than it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, thirty seconds to Mars. It's more dog star. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Depp goes around and plays with fucking Slash and yeah, somebody else and calls himself. He's touring with uh, Alice Cooper and uh, Joe Perry, I think from. Um, from Aerosmith, my, but that, I don't know. I've never heard his music. Is it any good? He's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My guess is the dog stars and the thirty odd foot of grunts of the world and all that are people who are like, "Eh, we're going to do this," and they don't get producers or anything like that. But Jeremy Renner wants to go and do something. He probably found some producers. He's got some Marvel money stashed away. I bet he could do the do the. I remember about fifteen twenty years ago, Kevin Bacon and his brother put out an album. The Bacon, yeah. the Bacon Brothers. They're, you know what? They're very it wasn't bad. It wasn't no, bad. they're critically re- well received. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Steve Martin is a next level mm-hmm. banjo player. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, see, Russell Crowe, not so much. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to be buying on the Jeremy Renner musical career until I hear more. <laughs> we should at least do some intentional talking of some kind. <laughs> We're good at meandering, though. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Did you just cut off the surprise? Well, we'd have to take. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I mean, the opposite of that is what I meant. You did like you just ran yourself into a great joke, didn't you? (laughs) And I was there for for a conference, and he took me to this this place in South Philly called Tony Luke's. And, like, you think you've had Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, like, other places and everything. Yeah. It's the, the classic thing. Yeah. When you have it from the source, it's like an Italian ro- Italian beef sandwich from Chicago. Yeah. Like, in Chicago, it's different. <clears throat> and that was an orgasm and a... I bet. I would love to have, like, an authentic thing. Philadelphia Philly cheesesteak. You got to order quick, though, man. They're uh, ill-tempered over there. Yeah, I told them... I was trying to explain to my wife, because she, she was like, cheese whiz. Ew. And I was like, well, that's like... There's t- there's two Philly cheese steaks that mm-hmm. call themselves authentic. One uses cheese whiz and one doesn't. Uses another kind of provolone, I think. And uh, you know that's all. If you if you can, they'll give it to you without the whiz, yeah. but they'll make fun of you. You got to ask for it. Wit. <laughs> if you ask for it, wit, that means you want the the cheese whiz, oh. or no wit, or without, or whatever. Without. <laughs> well, who who's surly when they give you sandwiches? Uh, the cheesesteak man. The cheesesteak guy. The one that I went to, Tony Luke's in South Philly. There, if you don't get your order in and like nail what it, what is it with? There. What is it with the fucking? Uh, we don't have time for this bullshit. I don't know, man. I uh, apparently that was. I've never been to um. What's the hot chicken? Princess. I've never been to Princess mm. here, which is uh probably a crying shame. <laughs> I just I just have never been able to get to it. Um. And uh, and that's the stories that I heard about them. Like, be with it when you go up there and order, or else they start yelling at you mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, why is that a thing? Why is that something that is allowed when you are competing? Now, in- if it's the cheesesteak place, that you know, they're probably one of the two original ones or whatever. They probably got a line around the building every day. Yeah, it was a long line. But- so he can probably... He doesn't need your $5 or whatever. Sure, they don't. But at the same time, it's not like... It's not like if you spend 10 extra seconds yeah. uh, that it's going to make any difference. You got to figure these guys were some of the res- some of the inspiration for the soup Nazi on Seinfeld. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you got to say it correctly. 
have your money ready slide down to the (laughs) and and so many people are just learning about this stuff and it's not like they know the right way when they get in Mm -hmm. and everything you've got to be a little bit forgiving i'm sorry Mm. no i agree and so like that's why i probably would never go to an establishment like that i mean although if you're going to be in a line for a long time you should probably by the time you get to the the front (laughs) i think think that's the problem where like the line's been going on for a while they've got menus yeah. and then you're like oh pfft. yeah <laughs> you know who that, you look like that Al is pacino that is annoying for sure <laughs> you wrote, you wrote something in the latest music video scenes that you said you put in parenthesis like al pacino in devil's advocate <laughs> and i tried to say it <laughs> and by the second one I, I even say in the audio track, I sound more like Nixon than I do Al Pacino. <laughs> I'm going to give up. I'm it's, moving on. It's vanity. It's definitely my favorite set. <laughs> and I vanity, it. Kevin. Yes, yeah, yes. Vanity. I went vanity. <laughs> I, just, I, I was nowhere close. <laughs> There's something we should do immediately when we get home. Is what? Fuck. <laughs>